Hello, my fellow Westorians. Welcome to a special midweek episode. It's Thursday. We usually do our midweek episodes on Wednesday, which is the real midweek <laughs> for the weekday grind, I suppose. But hey, we do it when we can. We had a, a special reason to do this episode. And well, here we are. Uh, spoiler free this episode will be we're covering the life of Viserys the first which is now over in show canon book canon of course it's been over for a while we've always <laughs> been able to discuss that so yeah we won't be having any spoilers Sean is here with us and... any spoilers for future episodes or for the books <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> obviously spoilers for episode eight of house of the dragon are implicit here <laughs> yes uh, and seven and six and yeah. five. <laughs> yes. not not four though we're not going to talk about four yeah we're just going to skip that one entirely <laughs> no no spoilers for episodes nine or ten or anything else to come in fire and blood we'll keep it all to just what's happened a little look ahead only but only a little stuff that we're very clear on Sean, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking a naked protein drink. I've got this green. You can't tell it's green because I've got it in a appropriate. This is a Valyrian steel cup, actually. I think you yes. should pour it all over yourself and prove <laughs> to us. Dump it, just dump it on my head. You got slime. <laughs> it is green. Yeah, it would be appropriate for that. But I think I will Have not berry. drench myself. Oh, stream. berry. The berry protein naked drink. Very nice. Mixed with... Raspberry uh, sparkling ice and classic Mountain Dew. <laughs> that's okay. just kind of like a standard thing for you now. It's like yeah. this used to be weird. Now it's like that's a normal Sean drink. It's still weird, like out of context, but <laughs> for you, it's like yeah, eh, eh, pretty normal. Soon <laughs> you're gonna make it all normal for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so yeah, make sure to check out our synopsis videos each week. They're always a good way to keep yourself locked into the discussions. But this, of course, will be covering several weeks of discussion and Fire and Blood. Thanks to patrons like Jeff Gnarly the Long Snapper, History of Westeros' First Sword, and Dragon Lord Eric the Evening Shade, Lord of the Groves, and Defender of Stigai, Rider of Ixodes Scapularis the Bloodthirsty, a dragon with purple scales and wings, with the red underside, black horns, and green eyes. I like the black horns and green eyes, kind of like in concert there, the blacks and the greens represented. You can send any questions you may have about this topic, or if you want to send tributes to Patty Considine, the actor. That is a big reason why we're doing this. I think that the performance that he dropped on all of us was a bit of a surprise. It, only reason it wasn't a surprise was George and some other people sort of told us all it was coming, how impressive he was, how he not only made the show better, but was an excellent uh, change to the way George had envisioned the role. And I think that's a good place for us to start thinking about the difference between a king who has a deep personal impact on the people around him, but not a big political impact, right? As far as kings go, that's kind of why he's a little skippable historically in some ways. But looking at him from the personal level is brings us back to understanding why his personal political impact was the way it was, why it was minimal, or why it should have been perhaps more aggressive in a lot of ways. So the reasons that he's forgotten historically are reasons why we should pay attention to him, because the things he didn't do are really important. Those are things historically that if you were put up in the real world, they would stand as important. Like, well, this king didn't prevent this from happening. I think that's a mistake we make a lot of times in history. Take, for example, Richard the Lionheart, famous king of England, 
well remembered by a lot of people, but modern historians and some from back then are like, this guy, he's popular because he was a war hero. He was a bad king, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the guy after him, King John, who was also a bad king, gets the brunt of Richard's badness. Like, all the things Richard did poorly are kind of dumped on John, who did his own set of bad things. But John was gifted a horrible reign, like a realm with no money, because R- Richard spent it all on the Crusades. <laughs> and But John gets blamed for that, too. Which is too bad, because, like I said, he had. there's plenty of things to blame him for beside that. But he, he doesn't... He shouldn't be blamed for the things that were really Richard's fault. This is the opposite. Viserys had a great realm he came into wealth and power and things were at their best and well he didn't really do much with that which some people can overlook that but i think that's a problem sean what do you think what's your what's your opening statement here (laughs) um there's a lot of different angles but my default is hey great i would rather someone not do anything than start wars yeah you know what i mean like he does deserve some credit for that i think most historical figures are known because they played some role in a war and mm. I wish I knew about the people who played some role in building hospitals and, I don't know, designing the wheel and you know, other things that have immensely helped humanity, not destroyed and held humanity back. And I, 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 there's pros and cons to Viserys' character. Um, but I think the keeping out of war outweighs most of the cons, except some of the cons are things he should have done that because he didn't, we end up getting more post. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? so. so it's kind of hard. It is a little tricky because you're like, well, he didn't start yeah. it, but he kind of did. <laughs> you know, he kind of set yeah. it up like he didn't kick it off, but he put all the pieces in order. Like, yeah. Alexander the Great also sort of came into power, yeah. right? Like he, he was, was he was this yeah. young kid and maybe he had this sort of ambition and was well educated or whatever, but... His father built this great army. He had all these generals around. They were already on the move. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the battle plans are drawn. He was just the person stuck in a place and got the credit. Or, in my opinion, should get the blame. Like he gets this credit for being this great <laughs> conqueror. But what that means is entire villages were slaughtered. People were enslaved. Yeah. There was a massively destructive thing that he did. As most, quote unquote, great leaders from history were and did. So... I, overall, I think I'm going to come out with Viserys being on the plus side, probably by good margin. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, yeah, because the bar is low, is kind of what you're saying here. Like, the bar is really low. And not only is the bar low, but our whole historical viewpoint, like the basic things we use to judge a lot of historical figures in A Song of Ice and Fire in the real world, are a little screwed up because of what you said. Like, not because our values are necessarily off, although I'm sure they are in some ways. But because the people who wrote about these figures at the time glorified them in ways we wouldn't, but we don't necessarily unpack that. And we just kind of like, oh, yeah, they say he's great. We think he's great, too. Or they don't bring up the criticisms like a lot of the texts on Alexander the Great. Don't criticize him the way like you just did, which I agree with your criticisms. But if you have historical, if you have all the every single history written about him and they all just praise how great he is, it's, it's hard to go against that as a student of history. You're not like, yeah, as a. 19 year old when i was first reading about him i wasn't going to go against that i was just like everybody likes this guy it wasn't until i was much older that i was like why do people like him so much he's certainly interesting but and i was one of the biggest fans of alexander you know that i knew at the time now i'm still a fan of that history but i'm not like this was not a great guy he was great in the sense that he had a great impact but he wasn't like 
Right. You know, really it's impressive person. what he and, yeah, I don't know, Genghis Khan yeah. and characters like that. It's impressive what they did. And it's impactful what they did. It definitely shaped the world that we know today. But it's also awful what they did, yeah. you know, and uh, and it's interesting, too, that that I guarantee you it's not like they're warmongers, but everything else in their life was nice and appropriate. <laughs> I guarantee you they were awful in a bunch of other ways. Yeah. And, and someone like Gandhi, who did something very impressive, liberated a country of a billion people through peace, you know. But he had some problems in his personal oh, yeah. life. But those get focused on a lot and it almost to the point of discrediting everything else he did. Why doesn't that happen with yeah. Alexander the Great or whoever else? You <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. So. yeah, it's kind of funny. No matter which way it comes, there's always people who are going to praise things that we disagree with. And sometimes we're going to be like, why would they ever praise that? But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really difficult to look at people who had such a massive impact and to come up with a a final grade, <laughs> right? Like it's almost, a, it's yeah. almost silly to even try that. Final yeah. Grade, because yeah. like, how can you, for one thing, we can't even take into account everything for other things. It's just like, we're inserting so much of our own personal opinion when we do that. It, it, it's not very universal. Dean Brown sends a super chat says, I've loved Patty across British TV and film for years. So happy. He's getting this global recognition. His Instagram post was beautiful. RIP King Viserys. We have that Instagram post to read a bit later. So if y'all missed it, We'll share it. And it was beautiful. And yeah, he has been in a lot of stuff. Um, we'll have a little more about his personal details later as well. But this is a new level for him of <laughs> fame, most likely. <laughs> Probably true for a lot of the actors in this show. But um, a few of them were pretty big already. But even Matt Smith is rising to new levels after this. I would was he Is he probably the most famous person in the show matt smith yeah i would say matt smith is I, mo- so. I would say matt smith was, is the most famous and then probably olivia cook next okay okay yeah that's yeah. also kind of hard but she's not i don't even think she's even on the close to the same level as him in terms of name recognition or having been in a huge franchise like she's been in some big movies but no yeah. i think he's like it by a pretty big margin <laughs> yeah there's some people like millie alcock who had yeah. really not done anything famous before and she's now all of a sudden like ooh. Look how good she is. <laughs> but we're not talking about her today. Maybe some other day. Uh, so here's a here's a quote to get us started. This is the introduction to Viserys' reign in Fire and Blood. Uh, Sean, you want to read this one? Sure. Hold on. Let me make sure I've got this right. Many consider the reign of King Viserys I to represent the apex of Targaryen power in Westeros. Beyond a doubt, there were more lords and princes claiming the blood of the dragon than at any other time, than at any period before or since. Though the Targaryens had continued their traditional practice of marrying brother to sister, uncle to niece, and cousin to cousin whenever possible, there had been important matches outside the royal family, the fruit of which would play important roles in the war to come. There were more dragons than ever before as well. Then, and several of the she-dragons were regularly producing clutches of eggs. So that's basically three statements there. One about the apex of Targaryen power and how many Targaryens there were. Uh, one would be how that spread out, or two would be how that spread outside House Targaryen. Once there's more Targaryens, there's more marriages outside the house, and some of that power starts to spread. That's a big factor here, in particular the High Towers, The Valarians... And to a lesser extent, houses like the Baratheons and then anyone associated with them. But those are the main ones. And then, of course, more dragons than ever. That is part of the problem. With more dragons, you need more riders. There aren't always enough Targaryens. You have the problem of, well, should we even allow that? What do we do with the extras? These are the things that Viserys didn't recognize 
as the real challenges of his life. These were new problems, or at least somewhat new problems. Maybe the Valyrians faced them back in the Freehold. I don't know. But a guy like Viserys could have been equipped to deal with some of that, given his love for uh, certain aspects of history. But maybe that aspect of history he didn't care about as much. He was more interested in, like city layouts and architecture than, than how they were ruling and how they were handling these political problems, perhaps. But let's jump back to his early life first, just, just to set up well, what kind of personality he has. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Sean, you have something to add here? Uh, well, a question, and, and this might be difficult to answer or even too big of a tangent, but how many Targaryens were there at this moment? Say there had been some, you know, catastrophe, some, you know, blowing up of the Sep type moment. And all the Targaryens that we've seen on the show were all killed all at once. Is there someone else out there? Who would it fall to? Okay, so you mean if, if at what time are you suggesting this? Like when he came to the throne? Uh, yeah, let's say let's say the funeral for Viserys, something, you know, something, a dragon blows up. And, and everyone uh, dies. Damon, okay. Rhaenyra, uh, Corlys, that branch, you know, all, the, all those, uh, everyone that we've seen so far in the show. It would have been a little difficult, show, yeah. given the Great Council, how few people got traction at the Great Council, but it would have quite possibly been House Baratheon. Because, okay, so I actually did put a list here. Lainor, Lena, Rhaenys, Emma, Rhaenyra, Damon, Archmaester Vagon, who helped Jaehaerys decide to do a great council in the first place. That was, Jaehaer- that was one of Jaehaerys' sons. Sarah and her children. Sarah being the one who ran off and had, you know, became a higher in concubine in Volantis and had her own children. And then House Baratheon, who formed from Oris Baratheon, who was a bastard of Arian Targaryen, which was Aegon and Visenya and Rhaenys' father. So they, the Baratheons never took dragons, but they had Targaryen bastard blood, apparently, so you could argue they were part of this, but they never they never progressed. Yeah, there were no marriages back into that house? And There was. There was one. Times. There had been, yes, okay. because uh, Jaehaerys' first son, Jaehaerys and Alicent's first son, Aemon, married Jocelyn Baratheon, and that's how we got Rhaenys. Rhaenys, the queen who never was, that she is has a Baratheon mother. So she, but she married back into the other house that was close, that was the next closest related or even more closely related to House Targaryen than House uh, Baratheon, which is House Valarian, of course. Right. So the Baratheon half married the, <laughs> the into the Valarians and then they kind of made a, a trio, <laughs> a combo trio. It might be there. spoilery to to push the future of that, but yeah. I, I have this general understanding that's why Robert had some claim. That's correct. There's a lot of factors. You know, when, when you get to like the Game of Thrones time. Well, period. it's even farther. It's even better than that because Robert and Stannis and Renly's father or grandfather had a Targaryen wife, so they their okay. their reinfusion was recent in that sense. Uh, it was one of Egg's daughters that they that married their grandfather so there was a fair amount at the time of his end but it wasn't like some crazy amount like that wasn't some huge list and several and i was mentioning ones who wouldn't be real candidates unless everyone else was wiped out at the time of his death it's a lot bigger if we can jump forward you can say lanor in show canon is technically alive but in book canon he's dead rainy's still alive um rainiera damon Jace, Luke, Joffrey, Aegon the Younger and Aegon the Elder, Viserys, Aemond, Helena, Daron, who is confirmed to exist, the fourth son of Alicent and Viserys, does exist. He's just been in Old Town as a squire this whole time, which is book canon as well. 
but we haven't seen him yet. And then still the Baratheons, whatever. Bela and Reyna. Oh, Bela and Reyna, of course, yes. I, I, meant, I meant to include them. Yes, Bela and Reyna. So I lost track, but that had to be a, 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 more than a dozen, yeah. I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Now contrast that to Game of Thrones time period when Ares is the king, Rhaegar his son. Viserys. Is that it? Well, Viserys eventually. Viserys and then Danny, I guess. But Danny was. That's it, right? And little Rainies eventually, you know, too. But yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. And then the little, yeah, Rhaegar's kids who were killed. Yeah. There were two kids there that that were murdered. So there are, yeah. So, and and of course, no dragons in that era either. Now, in this era, there's a huge number of dragons. Uh, And and really, and that's interesting because, yeah, like I said, I want to go through his early life. There weren't a ton of Targaryens even in his early life. There were, even though his grandparents had 13 children a lot of them were dead by the time he came of age and a few of them weren't going to have kids so he was born in 77 ac 24 years before the great council and that's important he was the first child of balon and Alyssa. balon was the second child of jaharius and alisan aemon being first the one who married jocelyn baratheon and Alyssa was their thirdborn. so it was a pretty straightforward targaryen match making there um, but Damon came along four years later. So Damon, like I said, four, came along in the year 81. What's odd is his grandparents were young enough. Uh, Alison and Jaharis got married so young that they were still having kids after he was born. They had their 12th child the same year he was born. So in the year 77, uh, or rather the year 81, sorry, the same year Damon was born. And I'm almost glad this kid died. And that's a really cruel thing to say, but what? his name was Valerian. Like, oh. we do not need a kid named <laughs> that much Valerian. More confusion. Yeah. Like, Valerian, <laughs> a Valerian child named Valerian, who apparently, like, it would be amazing if he married a wife of House Valerian. Yeah. Like, no thank you, George. Yeah. I would love it if he had tamed Valerian. Valerian, writer of Valerian. <laughs> oh, boy. And then I need to clarify something here real quick. Yeah. Jaharis. Yeah. Which is Viserys's father. Grandfather. 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 Okay. Uh had that's right. Okay. Uh he had 13 kids. Mm-hmm. His wife, good queen Alison. Yeah. yeah. Had 13 kids? Yes. yes. They were all together. She should have the, all the statues. <laughs> She's the real hero. <laughs> she does have statues. She does have some. Like, she is okay. the most well-remembered queen of all time. So there, she does get maybe not enough credit, because she does deserve a lot of credit. But she gets credit. She gets a lot of credit. Like, like I mean, Sansa even, even, thinks about her early Even Viserys on. in the show, he goes, there. those streets were not as lawless when my grandmother, you know, was that's still right. alive and lived okay. here. So, you know, Viserys gave her credit as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but they still weren't done because, like I said, Valerion was the 12th child. He died, like, the next year. And Gael was born three years later, like the year 84. So Viserys wouldn't have known Valerian because he was only he only lived a year. But Gail, Gail, he may have grown up with Gail, but she was simple minded. This was a real situation, like with the Green Boys and and, and uh, Rhaenyra's kids, really, with uncles and nephews or and aunts and and yeah. nephews. And Gail may have been a bit like Helena. She probably wasn't a dreamer, but she was listed as simple minded. Yeah, so she's so, a neurodivergent in some way, but maybe she, I mean, was a dreamer too. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, and this is it, that's kind of unfortunate that's just how it's always written simple-minded like yeah. they just 
it's a catch-all for a wide variety of Oops. neurodivergence and other things that could be actually severe problems rather than just differences. We're not sure which Gale uh, bucket Gale belongs in truly, but they said even that, in the real world, yeah, it, that's what even I'm saying. Hundred yeah. years ago, we didn't even have good terminology or understanding good of point. these different. Even things, if they so. tried harder, they wouldn't have gotten it very well. Accurate, yeah. yeah, that's true. So she died at age 19. So Viserys would have remembered her death, and it would have been a big tragedy within the family. But because of her situation, they may not have been that close. Rhaenys was three years older than Viserys, so they probably did grow up together. Uh, so that's pretty important. They knew each other pretty well when he says, he's my favorite cousin. Like that, we were joking about how, like, well, you don't really have a lot of cousins. But... And his wife is his cousin, too. Yeah, his so, you know. <laughs> of course, she was technically dead by then. But, <laughs> but still, like, it's not a complete joke. It's like, well, yeah, they did grow up together and would have been maybe close. So, yeah, Emma was born five years later. I don't think that's different in show canon. Um, Book Allison, that's different. Book Allison's born in the year 88, where in show canon, it's more like the year 97. So that's a big, pretty big difference. When Jairus was six, I'm sorry, when Viserys was six, this is one of the few examples of there being war in his whole life. So this is one of the things maybe that like sets the stage for how he just thinks the world is or like what he thinks he his job is as king. There just wasn't much fighting during his grandfather's reign either, except at the beginning when there was still some conciliating that needed done left over from Magor. But Harry's ruled for like 60 or like 50 years. So like that, most of that was well done by the time Viserys was born. So yeah, at age, when he was six, Jaehaerys, Viserys' dad and Viserys' uncle Aemon, Rhaenys' dad, all flew to fight the Dornish invasion fleet of Prince Morion, who we refer to as Prince Moron. Uh, because he like broadcast that this was going to happen. And they're like, you're sending ships and letting us know. Okay, we'll burn them all. <laughs> and that's that. That's that. They lost zero men. <laughs> the, the Dornish lost nearly all of theirs. So that was no good. So yeah, an L for the for the Dornish there, which is kind of funny to admit. think about, like how when Rainier, Rainier is like, send dragon riders, father, intimidate them with the dragon riders. He could have remembered things like this and be like, yeah, that really. They really are quite intimidating. <laughs> like, I think Rhaenyra was right about that. But <laughs> maybe uh, maybe not send her, but maybe send... But the idea of sending dragons is good. In ninety in the year 92, so a good four, uh, good, uh, four years after Book Allison was born, Aemon was killed um, by the Marish exiles on Tarth. We talked about that. So that's when Viserys' father becomes heir instead, and Rhaenys' father is killed. The next year is when he marries Emma. He's 26. I'm sorry, 16. <laughs> He'd have been 16 at this, uh, this, and she would have been a little bit, um, a little bit younger, I guess. And the next year, something very important happens that I think probably colors Viserys's attitude towards a lot of things and towards marriage and politics, which is the second great quarrel was resolved. The first great quarrel was between Jaehaerys and Alysanne. Both of them were. That was more about Jaehaerys' attitude towards Sarah, the daughter who went away. And he was kind of crappy about that. Uh, that's not as relevant here. But it is relevant to when Viserys said, oh, he would have just disowned you to Rhaenyra about after that Street of Silk incident. Related to this. But the second Great Quarrel is the one that really matters. Because that's the one where Jaehaerys... Uh, Alisand's like, okay, Rhaenys is next. Aemon died, but his son, or his his heir is Rhaenys, so she's next in line for the throne. And Jaehaerys is like, nah, we're going to go with this, my second son, our second son instead. 
she did not like that. She thought it should have been the daughter. They had a two-year fight over this. And it, it took one of their surviving daughters to bring them back together. Pretty famous. Viserys was, a, was an adult by this point, or at least an old teenager. <laughs> so it would have been a big deal in family history and something that he may have thought about a lot when arguing with Alicent or trying to... Or when naming Rhaenys, Rhaenyra as heir, he's like, well, this is what Alicent, my grandmother, wanted. And she was probably right. <laughs> so I think this absolutely matters to the attitude Viserys had towards female rulers and maybe just women in general. Alsan was a great example uh, for a lot of reasons, not just for her style of ruling, but for her forethought, which in this case, she seems to have been right. And now, to be fair, the reason they picked Balon was he was older, he was established, he was well-liked, he was an adult, whereas Rhaenys was not. So there were some at least reasonably compelling reasons to choose Balon outside of, with for reasons that had nothing to do with gender. But it re, it did have the negative, very negative side effect of pushing the idea that women weren't allowed to inherit the Iron Throne, even if it wasn't official. It certainly sent that message, and that caused it added problems. to the precedent. Yes, it added to the yeah. precedent, even if that the perceived wasn't the precedent. Yeah, the perceived precedent, yeah. which was, but the other precedent set was the Great Council itself, right? Which says, okay, you can choose. Choosing is viable, just because they chose a man. The point is they chose. It wasn't just we follow these existing rules. They chose. And so if you are allowed to choose this time, then that set a precedent too. But we'll come back to that in a minute. So both times Rhaenyra or Rhaenyra, uh, Alison and Jaehaerys made up with their great quarrels. But it wasn't too long after that where Alison just died um, sad and from losing so many of her children, and that made Jaehaerys really sad and traumatized. So Rhaenyra is born in the year 97, which is, I think, similar show and book canon. So this, and then, of course, that puts her nearer to Allison's show birth. But just like in the book and show as well, Emma had already lost three children before this. So they had had several not children, uh, several deaths, stillbirths, whatever, before Rhaenyra made it. And... The next up was he claims Balerion. The same year he married Emma, he claimed Balerion. Now, this is really interesting, too. Go ahead, Sean. You have a question? Had he not claimed another dragon until that point? Correct. Yeah. So he's only 17 at this point, so he's not like he... But that is a little older. Like, you, you certainly see the kids tend to claim their dragons younger. Sometimes yeah, I mean, they're just born with them. Lena said she was a late bloomer at 15. Yeah. So Viserys is even more so that. Now, this is book and show canon as well, so this isn't this isn't a deviance or a deviation rather. So, and it's really unusual for several reasons, not just that he chose an old dragon that didn't last, and he didn't choose again another one after that, but his own mother, his own mother Alyssa, who also <laughs> was more like Damon and their fa and his her husband Viserys's father. Uh, so Viserys was kind of the black sheep of his immediate family. They were all the more aggressive, like, uh, adrenaline types, <laughs> where he's more of the, like, I don't like that. I don't like flying so much. So, But maybe that was why he did this. Okay, so here's what happens. Alyssa goes to claim her dragon, and the dragon keepers are like, you don't want Balerion. You don't want Balerion. He's old. He's slow. You want a, a young, quick dragon. She's like, okay, good advice, good advice. That was 18 years ago before this. So, like, 18 years later, <laughs> he's not gotten any faster. <laughs> he's only slowed down more. 
So Viserys is still like, I want that one. Like, I really wonder what his thinking was. He's like, well, I want a dra- I actually want a slow <laughs> dragon that's nice and easy, you know. I don't want some big aggressive one. So he didn't even, he, he tells his father, Balon, he's like, I don't think Balerion could have even made it to Dragonstone. That's what he was, that's what, that, was, that was his intent. I'm going to fly this dragon to Dragonstone. He's like, I don't think he can make it. So he just flies him three times around the city. And then that was about it. Like he may like didn't only wrote him another couple times at most, if not, if even that, which is kind of expressed in that conversation he has with Lena, right? When she's asking him about that. And he's kind of like, I don't really want to talk about this. <laughs> you know, that's kind of like the vibe. Yeah. She keeps asking about dragons and he's like, are we still talking about dragons? Um, yeah. Uh, they're dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm kind of contrarian here. Most people are watching this show because they love dragons and think they're cool. And I totally get that. But I'm on Viserys' side, man. I think they're dangerous. They're nuclear bombs. I like <laughs> On multiple levels, I appreciate that he wants to steer clear of them. One, just like maybe personal dangers. Like the idea of claiming one is dangerous. It's scary. Like, I... I, I Sometimes I want to attribute things to him that maybe just aren't the case, especially since they haven't really been pointed out, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's theoretically possible, but they haven't made a point of it. But uh, maybe he feels obliged to keep himself safe as the king. Yeah. He doesn't want to do something reckless and get himself king and cause all this trouble. Maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. He also maybe wants the Targaryens to be able to rule through their... Uh, foresight and strength of character and you know strategic ability and you know economic sense and so on not through fear like we should just be good leaders because we're good leaders it doesn't matter if we have dragons or not people should respect us because we're the royal family it doesn't matter if we have dragons or not they never show him push that agenda (laughs) but i wonder if it's at least in the back of his mind somewhere and he wasn't a great wasn't great with his foresight and all the other things but yeah i still agree with you like that would that is a thing that would be good to express like look it's not just our dragons don't mess with us because we have dragons but also we're good leaders because yeah but no i agree with you sean i think that viserys's opinion on dragons and their use and his healthy caution or whatever wariness of them is a very positive character trait for me one that i i commend him for actually yeah, and I really wonder what drove him to make this choice in the first place. Was he like, he was young, he was 17, maybe he's trying to impress his new wife or impress his family or ha, just do ha. what was expected of him. But uh, but he decided it wasn't for him. You know, he's like, ah, I didn't like that. I didn't like flying. I'm a sucker for the idea that connecting with your dragon is a very strong bond and that Balerion would have some messed up memories or yeah, an older brain. Like, there's, a, there's a million angles you could take for that, but... I I, yeah. I really do like the idea that Viserys, once he bonded with Balerion, he was like, oh, I'm getting these terrible dreams about burning things. Or, oh, I'm, like, haunted by this. This dragon doesn't have a great memory anymore. Or just being or, old. Or, or, yeah, yeah or just, just like, or I'm just old decrepit. and I want to relax, yeah. you know? And yeah. he's like, I'm old I want to relax. Like, wait, I'm not old. Where yeah. did I get that feeling from? Yeah, like, you're my, right. Is my dragon sending me these thoughts? You know? Yeah, something <laughs> like, like that. I'm not old. Uh, <laughs> maybe he was mentally or emotionally disturbed by the bonding with that particular yeah, maybe. dragon. maybe. Yeah, that's entirely possible. could be for other characters in the yeah. in the lore also. That's very... Yeah, I, I wonder if maybe he just had a moment like little Amon did where he was like, oh, <laughs> 
saddle <laughs> like barely got back and i was like okay that's enough okay i got done. this but not that's enough yep. yeah. <laughs> it sounds like no because it says like he it was really hard to just get him to fly in the first place so he probably wasn't like <laughs> zip zoom in yeah. all but that doesn't down, mean it yeah. wasn't scary as hell <laughs> <laughs> he could have been like, oh, my God. <laughs> Why the hell am I up here? This is crazy. <laughs> so, Great Council comes along. Oh, sorry. 101 uh, comes along and Balon dies. He's named Han and dies a few days later. And that prompts the need for the Great Council. So, that uh, everything changes. Would have been a big deal for him personally. Viserys losing his father. His mother had already died well before his, his mother died. <sighs> Uh, you know, when, when they were both, him and Damon were both very young. So you know what that means? What's that? Everything's coming up auto. <laughs> Everything's coming up auto. That's right. Just <laughs> <laughs> paved the way for auto. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of auto, it's this, this, the bit they, the show added, which I think makes a lot of sense. It probably was true in book canon too, where auto, where he says auto taught him a lot about how to rule. Yeah. I mean, they were right to identify that his own father wasn't around to teach him that. So, and he was kind of young. He was only 24 when he was named king and 26 when he became king or named heir and 26 when he became king. So that's still fairly young. And as we've pointed out throughout the season, no one ever taught him how to be king. He wasn't expected to be king. He was a grandson of the king with a king with 13 children. You really just don't expect <laughs> that to happen. So, and but and there's really not much indication they tried to catch him up on that. Like Jaharis was not that old, but he was done. Like he had he was traumatized, didn't want to even pick the next heir. He's like, let's just have a council. That'll probably be good because at least people will sort of abide by their own decision. It'll, but yeah, it seems like while with them being bought into the the process, they'll they may be more likely to abide by it. Yeah, it seems like Jaharis was kind of checked out right then. Yeah, in, in terms of him having a much of a hand in guiding Viserys. Yeah, I don't think he did. He may not have been great at it even if he like maybe when he was younger he could have been a good teacher, but like yeah, I don't know that he would have been capable of of being such a great like teacher at this point. So, yeah, so he ascends age So when someone that you wouldn't normally expect to become the ruler is suddenly tapped for that position, it's a good thing they had a mentor. Well, <laughs> What what a great idea! But they should just do that all the time. Who was Renera's mentor? Oh, oh wait, yeah, she, yeah. Oh, hmm. yeah. <laughs> but that's that's kind of funny to think about. Like, don't rule like I did. That would have been Viserys's things. Like, okay, just don't do what I did. Do 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 more, but don't also don't be warlike because that would be worse. But <laughs> but but do more than I did. Do more like our grand, like your great grandfather and great grandmother did. My you know, do more like Jairus and Alisan. So this is a big difference in the Emma and. Um, Viserys connection I'm sure that it was a big deal to him in book canon but Emma lives like seven years longer in show canon so they had a lot more time to be married and grow close to each other not that they probably weren't they had plenty of time before that as well but book canon she dies in 105 show canon is more like the year 112 so it's a pretty substantial difference she dies well into his reign rather than like two years in so I think that's an important thing to keep in mind but it still probably doesn't make a huge difference because it's it's probably a really big deal to him anyway. So if we go back to that opening quote about the, all the different princes and princelings and people with Targaryen blood and all the spilling out of this blood into other houses and all the other dragons that were out there. So we covered who was alive when he came to the throne and who was around when he died. But check this out. There weren't very many examples of marriages outside the family. 
Ori's Baratheon, already technically outside the family. He did have Targaryen blood, but I wanted to throw this one in there since it's somewhat relevant. Married Argella Durandon, forcibly. And then Aenys marries Alyssa Velaryon. Aenys being the firstborn of Aegon the Conqueror. And Rhaenys, of course. And Alyssa Velaryon, of course, is grandmother to... Uh, or mother to Jaehaerys and Alicent, so she's grandmother to Viserys and Daemon and all them. But then Magor marries Cerise Hightower. So there we already have Valarian Hightower Baratheon. All that sort of pattern of these are the biggest houses, these are the first ones to get the marriages from House Targaryen. That had already been happening. It just happens to be that Magor had no children with Cerise Hightower or the other five women he tried to have kids with, including his own uh, niece. But there, that went nowhere. But it could have been a big deal. And it could have been a lesson because the two branches of the family ended up fighting. Magor usurped his nephew Aegon. That should have been a lesson to Viserys. Like, oh, this is when you have two branches. One might try to take it from the other. And he's well aware that this is a threat, especially. And he, his son even has the same name as the one that was usurped by Magor. We mentioned Aemon marrying Jocelyn Baratheon, right? That's the, the first... Targaryen, straight Targaryen to Baratheon marriage. Then Daella, another daughter of Jaehaerys and Alysanne, marries Roderick Aaron. They have Emma, who comes around and marries Viserys. So they're even the ones who were born, the kids that are born from these non-Targaryen marriages, with one of them being Targaryen, come back to be the best candidates to marry the new Targaryens, because they're part Targaryen. That way it's Somewhat incestuous, because that's what the Targaryens want. They still want to carry the bloodline with the blood of the dragon, but they have to play nice with the faith. So this is kind of their way around that. By marrying a girl to one of the other big families and then bringing the fruits of that union back into the fold with the next generation. That was the pattern. Viserys was part of that pattern by marrying Emma. And then Rhaenys marrying Corlys was part of that pattern as well, but maybe an extension or variation of that pattern by marrying their daughter out again outside the house but then the fruits of that union <laughs> came around and married back in Lainor and Lena married back in as well and then Bela and Reyna as well so you see they just had to expand it a little bit outside of just Tar House Targaryen and that came with all sorts of consequences or at least new things things that Viserys should have dealt with should have he was the first one to really face these challenges but he didn't recognize that as his challenge. It was just something that was happening. Any uh, any takes on this, Sean? I've been kind of fire hosing history here for a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah, so. well, yeah. What do you, no, that, what questions do you have? What takes do you have? <laughs> What's your <laughs> impression? So far, I'm just trying to absorb it all. I, I I know that this is kind of complicated, and I expect that you know you're somewhat of an expert on these family lines, and that you would be putting out more information than I could absorb, much less form opinions on this quiz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One sense I get is that Jaehaerys kind of had an idea that it was important to keep these marriages a certain way, but maybe he didn't... It's one of the many things he didn't pass down to anyone, or maybe they just sort of looked at his example, but his example was for a different time. Like, his, the marriages he was making were based on different political circumstances. Um, like, he wasn't facing these same problems. You know, I guess here's one small take. Um, I know just from like managing businesses, uh, relationships in your life, roommates, I'm sure lots of you out there can relate to little social organizations that you've been part of or, or maybe in charge of even, right? And 
there is this theoretical ideal thing that you want to happen. Some person that should be in charge of something or some activity should that should get taken care of. Yeah. But you know, so-and-so doesn't like that. Yeah. And so-and-so will feel slighted if someone else is put in charge. You have all these little things that will just end up being annoying or hassle. It might not create a civil war or you might not think that it would <laughs> uh, or, you know, whatever layers, you know, level of civil war, this social organization might be in. So you do, sometimes you follow the path of least resistance. Like this is good enough. You're not going to pick the, the worst person or the terrible person, but you might pick someone that's a little subpar just to not shake the boat so much, you know, and I can imagine maybe Jaharis and Visaris doing some of that, you know, some, some things they, they kind of know this would be best but it's so much easier to just do that instead. Mm. And they just do. And you do that enough times in a row. So it, it builds up like yeah. the, the, the frustration of people around you, the, the, the lack of appropriate assignments, you know what I mean? The, the little bits of uh, inefficiencies and ineptitudes that creep along with these easy decisions start to become problems. And, and this is a, that was a great segue because the next thing I want to bring up is, how a golden age, how when things are so good, it can really mask these problems because you make a mistake. You you give someone the wrong job or they screw it up. But when the realm is doing so well, the impact is mitigated of these problems. And so maybe it teaches you, reinforces the wrong lesson that, okay, so like from a very early age, Viserys thinks that a lot of issues aren't as big a deal as they might think because in his experience things are great. <laughs> the realm is running pretty smoothly. Like he looks back on the early time of his grandfather's reign, the last person to be king. And there was wars, there was violence, there was uprisings. And now there isn't. So he could sit back and be like, yeah, times are good. Like I must be doing something right. We're not having wars. We're not having a lot of infighting. He doesn't see signs of that coming. Maybe he should, but he doesn't. And that could really spoil you. I think that could really get you into a into a habit of thinking things are better than they are or misframing problems is smaller when because you don't see how bad they could be because with that cushion of greatness and, and wealth around you, you don't necessarily see how bad those things could be if things weren't so great. Also, sometimes you don't see the effect of behind the scenes mm. or smaller scale decisions, especially when there's a lot of different ones. Yeah. I don't know if this is the best analogy, but I'm thinking about maybe like football. You know, some quarterback got 300 yards and three touchdowns, but you don't realize how good that offensive line was that mm. was giving him. It wasn't just him. To do yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And so they keep signing a quarterback for millions of more dollars, and they don't sign new offensive linemen, and suddenly quarterbacks throwing interceptions. They're like, oh, he sucks now. Like, well, maybe he's just <laughs> as good now as he was before, but he doesn't have the same support. Yes. And you don't get stats for offensive linemen like you do for wide receivers or whatever. And I can so I can imagine there's probably some people that were in some positions through the course of Viserys or Jaharis's reign that made sure that I don't know food was getting through the ports that there wasn't a bottleneck at the gate that the water was clean that the 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 dragons were fed enough that they didn't attack the innocent people <laughs> yeah, things yeah. like that that, that were kind of out of the 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 survey of the king and then enough time goes by and those people retire or die. And now there's less good people in those positions, but you were never really paying attention to it. And now a bunch of little problems and a bunch of little places are coming up and you don't even know whose fault it is. Yeah. Or how it got to be that way. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. He taught this part. This all goes back to learning the wrong lessons, not being prepared to rule, and then maybe not being very good at picking that up on his own. 
And and if things seem fine with him in charge and no one mentored me, well, Renero will be fine too. Yeah. No one needs a mentor. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. He's just doing the same things that he was taught. Like, yeah, he's he's repeating the cycle. It's not like he's making the cycle worse. I mean, maybe it is because as the cycle goes on, it gets worse, but he's not yeah. intentionally making it worse. He's not specifically making it worse. It just gets worse. <laughs> so in reality, a golden age is the best time to make changes. It's the, the time you can, because the, the mistakes hurt less, so do the changes. So does the impact, the difficulty in changing how things work. It's best when you have cushion, you have leeway, you have extra money or whatever, extra labor, extra people around that can do the work because there hasn't been a civil war in so long, you know. Extra trust. Extra trust. Like extra credit. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. And and trust is a, is a good segue to the person he lost very early on. The person he trusted most of all, his wife, Emma. Whether she was a big force in giving him political advice, I don't know. But she was obviously really important in his personal life to the extent that it definitely spilled over into his political life, whether she was giving specific advice or not. Because his decision making was inexorably affected going forward by her loss. And the lack of her presence being there. If she had been in his life continuously going forward, if she hadn't died, uh, that level of comfort, being with the person he most loved in life, might have given him more strength, more ability to not, well, and he wouldn't have been dramatized as much. His brain would have been not focused on that. He would have been maybe thinking more about politics and things like that. She might have been a better mentor to Rhaenyra. Great point. Just her loss is... There's a lot of ways we can frame it. There are a lot of them are question marks, but there's a lot of different ways we can place that framing and ask that question. And he, so he blames himself for her death because he wanted a son so badly and pregnancy eventually killed her, which is a predictable thing in that setting. Like you keep having babies, there's enough chance of something going wrong. They're not all going to be like Alison where you get, get through it 13 times. Yeah, you know, by the way, that's another thing. He might have misgaged the reality of the dangers of childbirth. Allison had 13 babies. Emma can too. Yeah. You know? On the other hand, his own mom died in childbirth, and so did Emma's mo own mom. So, <laughs> okay, so that should have yeah. counted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like both of them did. Like, yikes. Yeah, that's bad. So, but the here comes the prophecy, like throwing off his decision making and like why it's important to have a son and how he's so certain it was going to work out because he had a dream where it did. Uh, at least he interpreted it that way. Not to mention that if he never gets married again, there's no second family to fight over the throne. Like, that's... Like, that also is a pretty huge factor. Regardless, though, it's I would rather focus on the personal impact to him. Like, he, he in episode three, for example, he mourns her deeply. He's, he's crying. He's drinking the wine in front of that bonfire. It was the first example, personally, where... And for a lot of us where we really said, oh, wow, this guy, we saw he was a good actor. People knew that before the show. But that scene really took it up to another level for a lot of us. And then episode eight, of course, the one the, one of the main reasons we're here today having this episode. He was incredible. But there's all this. But he calls out to Emma as he's dying. Right. He says, my love. Those are his last words. And he calls Emma or he calls Allison Emma by accident in the previous episode. So like. They made sure to keep that going, like to make the viewers well aware that he's still thinking about her, that she's still on his mind, that he's never forgiven himself for her death and all that. And that affects how he views Rhaenyra. The reason he, another thing he did when he was in bed there and kind of out of it, he called Rhaenyra his only daughter or his only child. Because to him, the one he had with Emma was the 
the one that mattered more because that was the one that came from his true love. I mean, I, 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 I would have to say I disagree that he. It was because he thought Rhaenyra mattered. I think it to me it was just a statement on his brain and not a statement against his children. I, I agree with you that yeah, he loves Emma more and he loves Emma and and all that, but. I don't think he doesn't not. I don't. I don't think he doesn't not care about his kids with Allison. Personally. No, I don't say he doesn't care about them. I'm saying he didn't care about them in that light. Like when he was dying, it was his focus was on the one he had with Emma, which shows where who he cared about more. I, I definitely agree. I, I wasn't trying to say he didn't care me, about them at all. I don't think that. I, I still disagree that I don't think that's why he had that focus. Well, I'm pretty he sure he said that. that himself. Well, he said that he cared about. You know, I don't think he said that exactly. He said okay. his focus was well, maybe on I'm Emma. Him. Like I think his focus was on Emma clearly, but that doesn't mean that that's why. Rhaenyra was his only child or why he cared for Rhaenyra to me I I I I took it as that's where his where his mental state was that he was he was back 20 years before he'd even had those children he didn't remember that he even had right but that's what I'm saying is that's why he did that that's why his brain was 20 years ago that's when he was happy yeah he's stuck in that moment which caused him to forget his current children it doesn't mean he doesn't care about them as much but some still I'm just trying to Suss out he's why not he stuck in a moment five, five years ago yeah. or a moment 10 years ago. He's stuck in a moment 20 like Something has ago. to address why he wasn't thinking of his own children in that moment, right? Yeah, and again, to me, it's that his mental capacities are uh, greatly diminished. Is the, is the great, I guess, to me, like, I wanted to clarify that that's the greatest reason versus, like, he's not all sure. there, I guess. Well, yeah, right, but yeah. I think we agree on yeah. that. Like, yeah, of course, if his facil- faculties weren't there, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be living 20 years in the past and thinking it was the present. Yeah, I just want to cast shade on Viserys for not loving his other... I've seen a lot of memes <laughs> and stuff where people are like, here's my giant picture of Rhaenyra, and like, here's the tiny three pics of his other kids. And I'm like, I do think That's he cared about you. them. He just wasn't yeah. as capable right then. Well, and he wasn't... He, he never them, did though. get as close to them. Like, yeah. his health problems were already well underway when Aegon was born. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, he was an older man. Like, he was closer to Rhaenyra's age. Yeah, there's just a lot of reasons why they were closer, yeah. We, we miss a lot because of the time jumps, for better worse too, yeah. but it is possible that he feels some shame over those kids even a possibly, their yeah. behavior but <laughs> even aside from yeah. that he the moment when he realized that that allison was foisted on him by uh by Otto. Otto. Mm-hmm. from that moment on he might have like thought twice about his attachment to those kids you know i'm not sure maybe yeah. i shouldn't assume that but i can imagine it you know so I wonder if if he had been a bigger part of their upbringing. Here's a question for everyone: If if Viserys had been a bigger part of Aegon and Aemond and uh, and maybe even Daron, I'm not just as worried about Helena because Helena's not like mad at Viserys. She doesn't seem to be like I'm one of get into this fight and take the throne. It seems like he was happy every time she saw Viserys, even without yeah. disturbing. Yeah, you, you take note that like when even when Aegon like looked down at the table, kind of like uncomfortable with the look at his father's face helena was not as like was not like that she, she was, was locked like, in yeah, yeah so she was, i think like, happy she, her dad was around it seems i think she may have like respected and loved him more as a grandfather like more in like a like a normal <laughs> a normal healthy relationship but and Aegon and Aemon, <laughs> it seems like i get the sense that they didn't know him very well and that lack of closeness may have been part of part of why they're willing to usurp his you know usurp their their aunt <laughs> so uh, or their half sister, rather. I, even I get these things wrong. Yeah, right. You're right, Sean. It is complicated. Half sister. That's who it is. Aegon and Aemon are half sister to Rhaenyra. Yes. And so, so maybe, like, maybe they would respect his wishes more about keep being peaceful with each other if they had gotten to know him better. Like he had spent more time with them, or if they had spent more time with him. Maybe not placing blame here. Just if they had spent more time together. Yeah, and I, I mean, 
for all of that, that I, for all that I was trying to, def- I was racing to defend Viserys against you. I, I thought right there. Yeah. I'm also going to say I am placing blame for Viserys here. <laughs> that I do think that it's upbringing that has led to his his children with Allison being the way that they are. They weren't. They didn't just come out like that. And I I think that he should have been more involved. But that's that's the the problem with being terribly sick. I like. Yeah. I don't think that he's really truly at fault for being so sick that he has trouble being present in his children's lives. But I, I I do feel like he wasn't as sick earlier on and he also still didn't seem very present in their lives. uh, I guess. But they were also babies then. Like by the time Aegon was like nine, he was already, he was, he had already lost like his half of his arm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And there's sort of a precedent. It seemed like he wasn't very present in Rhaenyra's life either. Right. I mean, remember after Emma had died, they had dinner and he's like, it's been six months since we talked. Like, like geez, really? Six months since <laughs> like, dang. like how often do, were you talking beforehand? Is this yeah. new or is it always like and, that? And of course know? that brings us to the um, Instagram post from Patty that we're going to read later, which is, you know, him bringing up the, you know, he just, he just, a huge part of him just died that, that day that Emma died um, and all that. Yeah. And so he got locked up and, and made it harder for him to emotionally connect with all of his children, Rainier included. And is and Allison like Allison? Yeah. Part of the reason he married Allison was because she took away some of his grief. Mm-hmm. But that's still like pining for the the first wife. Like with the the second wife helps take away the grief of the first wife. He's still like there's still that element of the the ghost of of Emma still there between them. And so Allison's never going to measure up to Emma, and that's a crappy spot for her to be in. But and for Viserys, he never really dealt with the grief. Yeah, he yeah kind of moved on to the next thing, covered it up, or you know, however you want to express it. But I think he never really dealt with it. And uh, you know, oh shoot, I was gonna say something, but I forgot. So let's move on. (laughs) So some of these things also show up in his council, like some of the things that worked really well for the previous king and queen did not work as well for him. And so it's again, it's like things that worked. Maybe he got the wrong impression. Jaharis now Jaharis relied on his council a lot. They were really good. Alisan being part of that. Barth was amazing. Alisan was amazing, and the rest of the council was pretty good too. That's <laughs> like a, a joke. Barth, Alisan, and the rest. And the rest. Who's <laughs> I don't know any other names. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like even Aziz doesn't know their names. How good could they have been? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're. So maybe he got a little spoiled in that sense, thinking like, yeah, I put the right people in. He thinks Otto is one of those people. Now, Otto, for most of the reign, Otto probably wasn't that bad. Like, it only kind of seemed to have gotten bad when Otto tried to get involved, to get to push his voice, his daughter. Before that, I don't know that Otto was such a bad dude. Like, I don't have any evidence of Otto being a bad hand. Maybe he wasn't that good either. He's no Barth. (laughs) But, like, I guess he could have just been cromulent okay i don't know uh fine you know but certainly no big criticism so i think maybe that was it he got a little too easy with that maybe he let his other counselors choose his council he let allison pick people to put on his council i my, i get the impression that he rejects the political side of these things too much like he get he's like i want to have people i can trust i don't want to be this to be all about politics i want to have a good council that i can trust it needs to be about politics a little bit <laughs> Because it is about politics. Like, there are people on the council who are going to make moves and decisions based on what helps them and their families. And he can't just, like, shun all of that, just, like, rise above that. No, he has to be aware of that. He, it feels like he was just trying to, like, throw all that into a corner, the good and the bad, or the stuff that needed attention and the stuff that he could rightfully try to downplay. 
I feel like that was a, a way to kind of frame his counselor choices. A lot of just ambivalence and like a lot of other things. He just didn't take enough care with it. Kind of thought it would work because it had worked before. Uh, okay, let's take a little uh, break here. Real, I just real quick, you do you want to think? point out <laughs> it mostly worked. They went twenty years of no war. I mean, it's you know, it's a it's lot not of like non-war. It didn't work. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a complete failure. Yeah. You know, maybe it could have been better. Maybe you could have got thirty years of no war or whatever. And, but, I, and I, I think it's worth saying that no war and no famine as well. Like it's yeah, beyond yeah. like like people. The, the realm seemed relatively taken care of as far yeah. as we know. Maybe maybe Otto and some of these guys do deserve a little bit more credit. You know, like some that's someone like Tywin. We 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 think Tywin did was was terrible, but he was fairly competent in his hands. Some of the decisions he made, like legal changes, were bad. Like definitely reversed positive changes. But like yeah, no one starved under him either. You know, like that's. Fair's fair. Like he did that part well, I guess. I don't know for sure, but seems like he did. A few people, a few people drowned. <laughs> a few people drowned. <laughs> a few. Well, that was before he was hand. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're really trying to s- separate these things into individual cases here. <laughs> yeah, I also wonder. Like in the books, it's implied he had more offers for a second wife than just Allison, and also she was older, so it wasn't as like the foisting angle wasn't as severe here. But still, it seems like he didn't choose based on politics at all. Like, he was like, Elena, the whole thing with Lena, like, yeah, the best political choice is Lena. The best political choice is Lena. It's like, yeah, but I don't want to, you know? <laughs> he said the thing about her being too young, which we're like, yeah, she is, but so is Allison. You know, that wasn't the, the most convincing argument, given <laughs> the other option was only a little bit older. But anyway... I mean, there's this assumption he has to remarry at all, like, you know. Right, he doesn't Which maybe they're assuming because yeah. they want to have a, a man rule. But if you get over that, which they got, or he got over at least anyway. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't matter as much. There were other options, especially when it comes to, like, marrying kids to each other. So, I, I mean, I think it would have been, I, I don't want to dismiss your point too much, but but I think that was a political decision to marry or not marry her. Like, it the realm is watching. Someone, I think Corliss even made that point. Like, yeah, the realm is watching me marry a little girl. I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? I think that's a political move. I think yeah. that's a statement. Mm-hmm. I think you're right about that. Yeah. And I think that he he wasn't willing to, that he, it would have been fine. That politi- kind of political move makes him uncomfortable, but it actually would have been fine for the realm. The realm wouldn't have been like, ooh, you married a girl, a young girl. Like, Sadly, Westeros would not object to that. Most most of Westeros would not. Well, they might not object, but they might think it's more okay. Maybe he doesn't think it's okay, and he doesn't want anyone oh, else to think it's okay, okay. either. Yeah, He's yeah. trying to not endorse other people doing I this. I see, you know? I see. Which he doesn't exactly cover by marrying someone only slightly older. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's <laughs> okay yeah. if you're 15, but it's 12. In, in no. book canon, she was a lot older. So he didn't actually do this in book canon. In book canon, he married, like, I mean, they were. she was a lot younger, but not like... She wasn't a teenager. She was like 26 or something. And Lena wasn't like, well, and Lena was about 12 still, I guess. She was still pretty young comparatively, but. Uh. Mm, no, because that, the book really jumps that apart too. Cause remember okay. Emma died, book Emma dies in. Oh no, you're right. Cause book Emma dies in 105 when Lena is about 12 yeah. or 13. Yeah. yeah like so. book they had to, that's what part so of why I had to change Lena's age. Yeah. Cause yeah. Well, she would have been much older by the time that came around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's do a little shout outs here. A few patrons 
And then we're going to talk about Patty Considine, a little actual Patty Considine stuff. And while I'm reading some shout-outs, Ashea is going to put up a selection of some excellent Patty Considine-related and Viserys memes for your viewing pleasure. So... If you aren't able to watch, if you're if you're not watching on Spotify or YouTube, well, this is just incentive for you to maybe watch next time. But you'll still have something to listen to as I shout out these awesome patrons of ours. Let me start with our Blood Riders. Cole Coey called Sun Piercer, wielder of a Dragonbone Bow. Kokavo the Tamer, wielder of a Wildfire Whip Gehenna. Screenwriter Catherine Van Pelt, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Quill, slayer of unoriginal screenplays. And let's see here. We've got our Queens of Love and Beauty from the depths of Fleet. Viserys himself is a queen of love and beauty. Look at that. He serves yeah. Targaryen realness. <laughs> he does. <laughs> <laughs> From the depths of Flea Bottom, Lord Ken of House Hammer has declared for Queen Kari fire of the North who recovered Dark Sister from beyond the wall. Is that meme comparing <laughs> comparing Viserys to the Crypt Keeper of <laughs> Tales from the Crypt, yes. Tales from the Crypt. That's, that's both mean and funny. Uh, a laurel of glory in the name of of love to Bud of House Beresford, a knight of Tolkien, an arbiter of Scotch from Sandy the Dragon, blood of Queen Daenerys and Lady of Jameson. Also, let's send a shout out to one of our other batches of patrons. Let's go with our northern champions this time. Let's shout out Jay Wilson, Winter's King, Winter's King, Lord of the First Men, Lady Ar- Ardross, Mother of Wolves, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Claymore Manticore. Jake Snow, a.k.a. Jacob Ice Eyes, the bastard of the last river. Lord Darren of House Rambler, the last hunt is ceaseless. Lady Bobby of House Mitchell. Gandalf the White, that's W-I-G-H-T. Lord of House Seamorn. Shari of Skane, last of the long night archaeologists and wielder of the untested hypothesis. A Valyrian steel trowel with a dragon bone handle. Lady Nicole of House Anime. Motto, the small can be powerful. Captain of Sweet Camellia. Adelard the Wanderer is wielder of the Valyrian Steel Axe Frostfall. The Bitter Steel is next up. Last but not least is Aaron Snow, the evergreen bastard who made a vow to defend the North with his werewood handled axe, Timberfell. Yes, that's right. I hope you were enjoying both the awesome names of our supporters and the great memes that Shea has been showing. Let's get back to it. Uh, Trey Mackey says, another mistake that Viserys made was not giving up the throne. He could have abdicated before he died. And I think, Sean, you made a suggestion like this, I think, last episode or maybe recently. And as soon as he was incapable of ruling, rather than giving the job to people who aren't the king, his queen and his council, maybe just move on to the next person who's actually going to be the ruler. I actually had that in my notes as a suggestion. We'll talk about it now. I do think it's a fine suggestion. I wonder if it never crossed his mind. I don't, we don't have a lot of examples of abdication. There's zero examples of abdication on the Iron Throne. Um, certainly not to this point. And there may be some, like, maybe there's a King of Winter that abdicated or a King of the Reach that I, I'm, there's probably one or two, historically speaking. If we look, we could probably find one. I can't think of one off the top of my head. There's definitely some real world ones. But wasn't there a, a Targaryen that that married for love? I want to say it was like Dunk, I, there was, there he was didn't Duncan. abdicate. He gave up his place in the line of succession, which he would have been king. He was next. Okay. So that that's the that's a good example because that would have that's the closest. But he didn't give it up for incap- being incapable. He was still a young man. But yeah, that was Egg's first son, Duncan the Small, who who married Jenny of Oldstones. 
and was told, well, then you can't be king. He's like, well, then, okay, <laughs> fine, mm-hmm. I'll go with love. And he kind of figured, I don't think he might have made the right choice there, like given all these other things. Like, yeah, that dude probably made the right call. We don't know what happened to him. He may have just died at Summer Hall with his love and everybody else, but uh, before he would have been king anyway. But uh, I don't know. We don't know exactly what happened to that guy. All right, let's talk about Patty Considine. Patty's 49 years old. So, like, most of the show, they were making him look younger. That's why we were pointing out he didn't really look 26 at the Great Council or 24. Yeah, he's, <laughs> it's hard to make him look that much younger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's won a lot of awards in his career already for his acting. I think there's a good chance some more are coming. <laughs> Maybe, especially for this one. Not just acting, by the way. He's done writing and producing and directing. Yeah. He's made some short films and feature-length movies that have gotten a lot of acclaim. He's worked with Olivia Coleman, who I think has won, been nominated for Best Actress several times, if not won a couple times. Um, so he's been around a lot of talent and in the, the industry in general. He's got a lot of experience. He's kind of an all-do-all movie guy. Like He's part of writing. He's part of acting, especially the acting part. But yeah, writing, acting, also some music and entertainer guy yeah he's been in a couple bands yeah yeah he's been in a couple a drummer. bands yeah. yeah he's in a, he was in a band called she talks to angels which was named for the song of black crow's fame and uh he is in another band called riding the low i think he left that band early but made his own new band called riding yeah the low. he left she talks to angels yeah yeah uh, but yeah, he was drummer. And he's been in, in some music videos. He's been in like Coldplay and Arctic Monkey music videos. Yeah, isn't that cool? All over the place. Yeah, yeah he's he's known pretty well. So yeah, early in his career, what's interesting is in, in his career early on, he was known for playing like antiheroes, villains, and darker characters. So he clearly broke out of that at one point. Um, Hot Fuzz was, was a big part of breaking yeah. out of that, <laughs> becoming something more comedic. And that went really well. He's He got memed. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> memes, he was in a famous one that's repeated. Not a meme, that's more of a... Uh, a reaction gif. A reaction gif, yeah. But similar, social media post thing. That's just, they're in the similar category. Yeah, uh, he was in The Death of Stalin, which was hilarious. It doesn't sound like a movie that's supposed to be funny. Yeah, it's, but, but it's very, very it funny. Is. I highly recommend The Death of Stalin to anyone um, who wants to see more of Patty. And other. you'll recognize a bunch of other actors in it, too. It was very good. And then he was also in uh, The World's End, which is another um, Cornetto trilogy, you know, um, Nick Frost. Yeah. Uh, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Uh, you know, Simon Pegg. Yeah, one of those. Um, exactly. Which is he, also, he was also in a couple of the... They weren't comedies, but he was in a couple of the Bourne movies, too. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, so he's done a lot of stuff. Um, married with three kids, he's he lives where he's from, which was um, something on Trent. He's from yeah somewhere. I've already I've spaced out. Like I don't need to write that down. I'll remember. And then I forgot. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he has Asperger's syndrome too. So that's that's interesting that he's uh, he's a good example of someone that lives a normal life, functions quite well, um, despite that. Patty's mother had diabetes and lost her legs and sight. So he may have some particular insight into playing someone who was declining rapidly due to health reasons. And Yeah, he's maybe, spoken about that, that that was his inspiration that he drew yeah. from when performing. Uh, mm, I had to. There's pretty much no way that wasn't a big deal in his life. Yeah, how, how could it not be? So here is uh, something he tweeted, or rather it was on his Instagram that hit... Pretty much every other platform. Um, 
Would anyone care to read sure, this? Sure, I'll read this. Yeah. I've got it here. I wasn't sure you wanted to. I thought it might yes, be a little too I know. Sad. It's, by, by the way, y'all, I was very glad that Sean um, was on today's episode. Not, not just because I don't like Sean, because that's, that's great, too, but because I really didn't want to be on camera because I knew I was going to cry. Um, but it's <laughs> That's fine. why I wasn't like assuming you'd yeah. want to read this yeah, for fine. anyone out there. I was like, do you want to read this? Yeah. Uh, so, okay. His, from Patty on Instagram, he said, Thank you for the kind words. I cannot reply to every comment, but I'd like to acknowledge that they haven't been lost upon me. It was an incredible adventure where I made lots of new friends that will be with me for the rest of my life. I'd like to thank the creators for allowing me the freedom to make Viserys my own. I have never loved a character so much. I want to give massive love and respect to Brookshan, who uh, came in for only a few days, but changed the course of my character with her brilliant performance and commitment to the work. The impact stayed with me until my final improvised words. She unlocked the missing piece of the puzzle for me and allowed my story to come full circle. From the moment she dies, so does Viserys. It was a love story. That's the secret I carried with me. As sick as he gets, he never, himself, demands any cure. He quietly accepts his suffering, never forgiving himself for putting his beloved wife through such torture in her final moments. Viserys was a gift. I am so honored he found me. Now, no more. Mm. Man, yeah. that hits hard. Mm. It's like you. I'm not an actor. I don't know. I know nothing about acting, but I, I get it that when you're playing someone else, you use certain things to remind yourself to kind of really anchor yourself to that character. To like these are the pillars of what I'm doing with this character, and it sounds like Emma was the pillar, the number one pillar. His relationship that to right. his wife, and 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 in real life to the actress, it seems like that made yeah. a big difference. And it rang th- true with them showing him frequently looking at the ring, wearing the ring, and all that. Is this the, that emblem, that reminder of Emma that he has? And it's great because, like I said at the beginning of this episode, politically, yeah, there's it's easy to forget, kind of forget about him in the history books. And Fire and Blood would not record things like this in, in most historical texts. Would not contain information like the things we're discussing right now. Things that meant a lot to these individuals, things that drove them, things that motivated them, things that they carried with them the whole time. That doesn't make history books, right? It wouldn't be in Fire and Blood. So, like, when we've read about this character in the first place, we sure, we could imagine there's more, but we couldn't have imagined this specifically. And, wow, seeing this, like, it's hard to imagine someone doing better with a role. And most roles don't have this much room to work with, too. Like, too much of it's outlined for them ahead of time. So it's a concordance of a gr- great source material that allows someone to work with it and then someone that worked with it as an exceptionally well. You know, so we were talking about this um, before, um, saddest scenes in all of the series, right? Um, for me personally, in all of Game of Thrones or A Song of Ice and Fire, the saddest scene has always been... Eamon, Maester Eamon, saying, Egg, I dreamed I was old, which there's something... There's something relatable about a a character aging and we've all dealt Mm. with someone else in our life aging or our own fear like there's a lot of levels to that that i get me more than something like the red wedding where i can't relate to everyone being murdered at a wedding like i I can't (laughs) um so it's just never gonna hit me quite as hard and with this with viserys house of the dragon has made a, a scene that to me is on par as sad as George R. R. Martin's saddest scene in all of Long of Ice and Fire. Like nothing in Game of Thrones ever made me quite as heartbroken as this. Um, and I think again, it is just 
I think relatability is a, a great part of that. And in terms of like Viserys, body failing him and, and just the tragedy of that, I think is something that hits a lot of us uh, very closely with that memory stuff too. Like the way his memory mm-hmm. wasn't quite out with a little remembering times before. That's a very similar, like remembering Emma, remembering his one child versus thinking of egg who had died 50 years before that, mm-hmm. that moment with Eamon. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, I tweeted about this and saying, like, what are what were other people's top performances? Because it's like, yeah, in the original Game of Thrones show, there were a lot of amazing performances. Almost every episode had amazing performances. Even some of the episodes we really thought weren't that good or even thought were kind of bad. Even some of those had great performances in them. Like, those were some, sometimes that helped make it, like, okay. You know, that was the saving grace in some cases. But even in those, like... You rarely had a character that got that much focus in one episode. Like Viserys in episode eight of House of the Dragon season one is you get more like the amount of screen time and focus he got is unusual for a Game of Thrones episode. Like Tyrion at his trial was one people named a lot. That's a good one. Cersei at the end of season six. That was one people cited. Jamie and Brienne in the hot tub. Uh, some as far as other House of the Dragon moments, people cited Matt Smith in episode three. But really, I don't personally don't think that one comes even close, even though it was great. Totally great. I don't think it stacks up to this, but it was you know, great. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny you talk about um, how like the amount of time that we stayed with Viserys or, or something like that. It makes me think of um, I was rewatching some of the behind the scenes, the House the Dragons built, and they talked about how they they really felt like the first half of the season was them doing closer to original Game of Thrones style, mm-hmm. and that they. With their second pilot, when everyone ate, when they do the time skip and everyone's aged up, they really felt like they were resetting into what is House of the Dragon style, mm. which what they implied is part of that is spending a little more time with a character. And like, that's what they did with when they sh- set us up with Rhaenyra first meeting like Emma as Rhaenyra and each of these uh, like. Oh, places yeah. that that was a little bit more of, more one-on-one interactions with different characters with, with different and... characters was that was a, i think mo- some of their mandate some of what their their goal was um whereas mm. the first half they were doing it more of a traditional game of thrones style they said which I, I i did feel that difference in tone i yeah. think um in the, in the last couple of episodes and i guess we'll see that going forward maybe mm-hmm. another factor is game of thrones pretty much throughout and and more so in the first half of this series has had more locations. They've jumped around. People kind of scattered around, which keeps certain interactions from happening, keeps you from focusing too much, quote unquote, too much uh, on, on one character where when you get everyone together at King's Landing, then you get to have more of the interaction. You can have one person interacting with all the different people and center around that one person without abandoning another Mm -hmm. storyline. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's do we m- want to do the Patty compilation yeah, video? Yeah, play now? the video. Here's okay. a, a video a Shay I put together of some behind the scenes stuff with Patty, some social media stuff. Just shows what a great guy he is. Yeah, and um, I'll be sh- we'll, we'll we'll tweet this a little bit later and share it on TikTok as well. Now that I've put it together, but this is first share being shared here. Um, different things. So let me play it. When people ask me about the show and they say, they just assume I'm going to be riding a dragon. And then they say, oh, she gets to ride a dragon. <laughs> and I go, no. Oh, you're fighting it, though. <laughs> no. And then they say, <laughs> what do you do? And I go, oh, I don't know. I sit around a council table all day. <laughs> the protector of the realm. Do him. <laughs> 
<laughs> so sorry. Go fishy, go fishy, me man, yeah. Go fishy, they're saying. Fishy. Yeah. I like that it's it's Lionel Strong that says kill that Smurf. Yeah, kill that Smurf. He's fabulous. He's serving Targaryen realness. He's singing the bangles in bed. Eternal flame. <laughs> That's an appropriate Targaryen song. Yep. Eternal flame. And so there's just a little snippet from uh, those are all from the house that dragons built uh, behind the scenes featurettes <laughs> right there. Um, yeah, definitely. He I, he will be sorely missed on that set. You can just tell he was so funny on on all, all these clips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, I think so. Yes. No, yeah. I'm guessing that is what was maybe on 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 his mind a little bit. So one thing that we criticized Viserys for was maybe not pushing back against Alicent when she stopped him from doing decisions that we thought would have been good, like forcing the issue with Helena and Jace, for example. We were like, oh, I wish that marriage had happened. That may have really prevented a lot of problems. And we were like, why doesn't he push harder? Maybe he just like he, he's got he's the king. He can tell he can say this is happening and she can't stop it, you know, at least not legally. But. This comes back to the quarrel, the great quarrels. I think about how big a deal those were, how the king and queen were divided, his, his the last pairing were divided very publicly and dramatically twice during their reign, and how that caused a lot of issues, and maybe Viserys just didn't want to go that way. He didn't want to have that same level of division, so he let her have her way on some things that maybe he shouldn't have. Of course, other things she had her way on that that were a good thing. <laughs> but this Maybe he just one, respects the wishes of a woman. Maybe he could just be. doesn't it could think be. he has the authority to tell other people what to do with their lives and their children. I mean, even if he theoretically does as a king, I don't know. I, 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 res- I respect some of the things that he... Power that he declined to use that most kings would have used. Yeah, I can kind of respect that, too. I I do wish he would have more, like, made a deal of how kings shouldn't do these things rather than just not doing them, because then that sets an example, rather than just looking like he's just apathetic. (laughs) Because it doesn't doesn't look like he's necessarily look like he's setting a good example. It maybe just looks like he doesn't care. Um, I'm not sure. Like, in-world, maybe it comes off differently. But it does look like he doesn't care in other examples. Like, with Damon, it just looks like he's lenient. Like, he just lets him get away with stuff, and maybe that sends a message that that's how he is about a lot of things, that he just like, ah, eh, I'm a pushover, I'm lenient. That That's maybe what gets projected. Maybe it's more nuanced than that, though. We have seen him, like, show a lot of spine. Like, when he gets mad, he really gets, yeah, you don't want to get it in his face when he's doing that. Yeah. Um, he, he draws the line pretty far away in the sand. Yeah. But, man, if you go all the way over there and cross that line, I'm going to pull my sword out and make a, make <laughs> yeah. a big deal about it, but... Yeah, he would have. I mean, he would have taken Vayman's tongue or probably ordered someone else to do it eventually. He realized that how hard that would have been for him to do. But like he was like he pulls his dagger or like one armed frail king is like, you pissed me off. Like someone hold him down. I'm <laughs> might take me an hour to saw that tongue out of your mouth, but it's just going to happen. Uh, so and another thing is nice about him, like unlike a lot of other kings, no evidence he fathered any bastards, which he fathered a whole second family, which causes a problem. But no bastard children is a good thing, uh, which is an example Although, of how they, they accuse him of that in Fire and Blood, right? 
Uh, I believe there was one, maybe one claimant. child that they they said could have been, but it was dis- it was disproven. Well, I, so. Yeah, yeah, just worth throwing out there that there's a, there is a variant, a version of the story where maybe he did. <laughs> yeah, so it is possible he had them. It's yeah, just not yeah. the, the Fire and Blood declined to show that. He, he and, certainly, and, or sorry, the show declined to show that, and Fire and Blood only vaguely hinted at the possibility. Yeah, and the, the show referred to how him, how, how Viserys and and his brother Damon how they used to go to the brothels, to the pleasure houses together, to the Street of Silk or whatever. So it's he's he slept around. And they would have been married to Emma then. Yeah, you know, he, so. it's not like he avoided the problem; it just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not like he wasn't necessarily sleeping with. Other but even people. after King, he apparently like, he didn't. He wasn't that type to go yeah. sleep around or whatever. Um, which, when you're a king, I guess that's that is actually to their credit. When you can you have that kind of power, and you can like have anyone you want, like that's a good example of not using a power you have. <laughs> that's a good thing, right? Um. We wonder if he has more in common with Daron. He never got to know Daron, the one who's off in Hightower land. Uh, it sounds like he might be more in common with him. He doesn't seem to have that much in common with Aegon or Aemon. Maybe Although Elena, we, I so. remember, I, I think Emwelia, the artist, had that great list of parallels between Viserys and all of his kids. Uh, do you remember? Yeah, like, one was that Viserys in book canon more so, but we see it in the show as well, is fun-loving, a party lover, like we people like to call him party dad Viserys. Yeah. And that's Aegon right there to a T. That's true. And with Helena, they, they both have their hobby of bugs and or models, and they both have their dragon dreams. Uh and uh Okay. Yeah, anyway, I'm like, I'm what was the other one that yeah, Helena I could see a bit. Aegon, I uh, maybe yeah, I missed, Amon but... both lost an eye. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> that's what they have in common yeah they do have that in common that mm-hmm. is uh true but yeah <laughs> uh, they both claimed great big old dragons <laughs> yep, yeah yep. yeah that was the that was the one that i, that I was thinking of for aemon was oh, they both like claimed dragons, a huh? conqueror's dragon because they claimed visenya and aegon's <laughs> dragons respectively hey son yeah dad i like big dragons yeah <laughs> me too son <laughs> So Miguel Sapochnik said that anyone who cuts themselves on the Iron Throne has a chance to contract this special sort of Westerosi leprosy. Not that they definitely get it, but that they can. And Viserys definitely did. It was an interesting choice. I didn't think it was necessary because it's just like he's just got some disease. It didn't have to come from the Iron Throne. Whatever. To me and to him, from Patty Considine's point of view, it was more about losing Emma. Either way, the man's life declined. He had health and unresolved trauma, both of which will impact your health. So it really works all together as just he's got a lot of things messing his health up. A real quick timeline on how it declined so quickly. Episode one, wound uh, on the back of his, on his back, which was already there prior to the episode, was getting cauterized, already weeping, basically. And he cuts his finger while telling Damon he's no longer heir. Episode two, the finger is worse. He gets maggot treatment. It's already turned black. Episode three, three years have passed. Two fingers are gone. Episode four, his arm is worse. Lots of sores on his back. That's where we get the very unpleasant scene of him sleeping with Allison, where his back is all messed up. And it's like, whoa, this is worse. Episode five, he faints twice. His nose bleeds. He has lots of fatigue and vomiting. Episode six, ten years have passed. He looks visibly haggard. A lot of his hair is gone. Half of his arm is gone. Episode seven is only like a little bit after that, so it's basically the same. Episode eight, six more years passed. His decline is extremely advanced. He's lost an eye. He's in massive pain, constantly doped up, and then, of course, dies at the end. I wonder if he was also remembering how how things had ended for Jaehaerys, the previous king, also missing his wife, 
in a lot of more emotional than physical pain, probably a good bit of physical pain too, but more emotional, had lost so many children um, and grandchildren and his wife and was probably feeling like, well, the good thing about dying is I can be reunited with them again. And that seems to be where Viserys was as well. Hmm. Um, what do you... I have, to, I have to say, I mean, I've seen people in the in the chat about it. I, I'm pretty against this leprosy on the Iron Throne concept. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I just like, I'm not super on board with it. I feel like there's a lot of other directions they could have gone with diseases or illnesses that, like, I, 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 I'm super on board with them doing the illness. And in the books, Viserys deals with diabetes and weight weight issues that yeah. lead to terrible health issues as well. So, like, it is in the book, but the idea of someone getting cut on the Iron Throne and maybe getting leprosy is, is like, a very weird decision to me, I have yeah. to say. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I wonder if now that Miguel Sapochnik has left the show, I wonder if they're even going to just... Yeah, like, okay, Miguel, we did your thing. Never mind. Because <laughs> it was... Yeah, I, I, I wonder a couple things. One, I wonder if it was just, you know, a thought he had, an offhand comment that he made that people kind of latched onto. He didn't necessarily mean show cannon is he had definite leprosy yeah and he said a so, form you know, of leprosy how... from the iron yeah. throne technically uh, is what he said all those like, dirty a swords, kind of man. leprosy like as if <laughs> almost as if miguel was more so just like leprosy is synonymous with an illness from the throne you know maybe an unnamed planetos disease Thronitis is similar to leprosy but he didn't want to get caught up in the details of how leprosy works you know i i does it spread? How come no one else is getting it? Uh, you know, maybe he wanted to have some well, semblance of a scientific explanation of what this could be. <laughs> but if we got any details of it, it would well, fall apart. So well, it could be a magical disease. I mean, this, this is a world with magical diseases, yeah. so it wouldn't be that hard to explain. Exactly. I will I mean, say, but without getting into it, there are characters yet to come and characters in the you know in the past who've, who've, who've uh, cut themselves on the Iron Throne. And if they, like... For the most part, we don't see enough of their the rest of their reign. Don't live very long, yeah. <laughs> for us to see that this disease develop. But my one thought is Ares cutting himself, and honestly, in Game of Thrones, he looks pretty rough for his age. Like he looks very haggard. Part of why the, this uh, works as it, like they can insert it and not cause like problems. But even if we don't like it, we can. Yeah, admit yeah. That it it doesn't, it's fits. not a plot hole, really. Yeah. Like, as yeah. far as I can tell, I don't. I don't I, think there's something where you're like, oh, this doesn't work because of this. Like it does work, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I like it more being, uh, I don't know, symbolic yes. of festering problems or whatever, yes. you know, I mean, a manifestation of unresolved issues or, you know, a million ways you could say it. It can still be those things also, but I, yeah, I'm exactly. with you. I like it yeah. mean, I like it being more that being the emphasis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I see Terry Incognito pointing out like normal leprosy would be contagious and this isn't. So yeah. right there, That's it's why they very have to call clearly it a like version of, yeah, a yeah. version type. Yeah. It is clearly not contagious yeah. <laughs> uh, based on him kissing babies and other yeah anyway <laughs> steve van prien sends a, a comment from patreon this is a good question here do you believe that king gave everything he had not only to be with his family but to stand up for his daughter and that ex like expedited his death basically that he maybe would have lived a little longer if he hadn't exerted himself so much for that last moment i definitely think so like i think if your health is that weak you're just kind of on a you're like on an hourglass and anything that shakes the hourglass causes those sands to drop a little faster yeah, I'd say, like, yeah, Patty said that Viserys knew that this was, like, his last day, but I think he knew that because he was making it his last day, in other yeah, words. Yeah, like, exerted like, his last bit of strength. Yeah, yeah if I, he had just not done anything that day, I don't think he would have died that night, but he probably maybe only had two weeks or a month, you know, like, yeah. it, it had to be pretty finite at that point, but it, yeah. It was close he, either way, you're right, yeah. and, he knew, and he knew it, he wasn't under any illusions 
Um, yeah. Despite his mental state not being all the way there, he still he still knew that much. He knew he was. He said that he's like, I won't be among you much longer. Like at the dinner. I wonder if along those lines, maybe he was pushing himself to stay alive for this moment. Like, I can't die yet. My family hasn't come to me. You know what I mean? Maybe he was, uh, that was what was keeping him going as long as he went was this hope to have one last moment with his family members. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then it came and then he was done. So we went over the, a lot of this about the first queen, having the first queen. This could have been... Viserys's legacy if he had handled it better and maybe it wouldn't have worked anyway but if he had handled it we we don't know but if he he certainly didn't give his all had he handled it better had he helped pave the road for Rhaenyra's succession had he done things a little differently maybe we could have had a smooth first queen and that could have been the pattern from then on like he could have changed the laws of succession and that would have been a major thing to have as your legacy because like, having looked at the Dance of the Dragons, Radio Westeros and us did our, our combination, our, our co-op of four episodes are out so far. We got a fifth one on the way this month. We started off by examining the causes for the dance, and I'm adamant that had they just kept it simple, oldest heir, doesn't matter gender, that person's next. So much problems, so many problems are avoided, because what happens is you skip someone, and that's where the civil wars come. You skip one person and you're like, well, what about their kids? Well, what about the people after them? Like, once you skip someone, their children are left out and then they feel skipped. It's just the compli- all the civil wars come from the complications. So you got to keep it simple. And skipping people is not simple <laughs> when you're skipping an entire branch because it's usually not just one person. It's You're skipping a branch or something that can become a branch later. Maybe it's only a single person now it becomes a branch later. So... Yeah, so that was the problem. Like, yes, he's following on the pattern of, yes, the Great Council can't prove that you can decide. But you still have to do more than that. Swearing isn't enough, especially when they all swore 28 years ago. <laughs> you know, and a lot of them have died. I want to point that. out that he could have, should have done more. There's a bunch of other people that could have, should have done more also. Yeah, yeah Renera yes. included. Yes, you're right. Like, and... and that like, they, yeah. If he had done everything perfectly, things might have worked out fine. But maybe not, because other people might have still screwed other things up. And if he screws up what he screws up, but everyone else does things perfectly, well, then things also still work out. As typical, it's hard to attribute all the blame or responsibility to just one person. Yeah. But it's fair to give the king more than any one other single Absolutely. One person. Absolutely. Like, you know? here's two examples I want to say. You're totally right. Um, but let me add some even more context. Jaehaerys could have just said, never mind. If the Great Council picks had picked someone, he could have just been like, you know what? Actually, no. <laughs> he wasn't bound by it. He's still the king. He can be like, never mind. I mean, that would have gone, would not have gone well. But he could have done <laughs> yeah. that. And just, we'll see what happens. Like, let's use Daron the Good as an example. Daron the Good, son of Aegon the Unworthy. Daron the Good's the one who presided over the Blackfire Rebellions. Unlike Viserys, he didn't cause them. He, his father did. Aegon the Unworthy caused the Blackfire Rebellions indirectly by the way he had kids and legitimized them and all that. Daron the Good tried very hard to prevent civil war from happening during his life. The Blackfire Rebellion didn't break out till like 14 years after he was named, or no, like, 11, like 10 or 11 years after he was named king, something like that, more than a decade. He tried to keep them close. He was like, he gave Damon Blackfire stuff. He gave... Bitter Steel some stuff. He gave Bloodraven a seat on the council. He kept them like involved and tried to smooth the and then Blackfire Rebellion still happened. 
So that's something we got to keep in mind when you blame Viserys. It's like, well, this guy tried to stop it and it still happened. So maybe it still would have happened. Yeah. On the other hand, the consequences are larger. The Blackfire Billions, there were no dragons. But still, it's, it's still, yeah. yeah. Just because it might have still happened doesn't mean, oh, well, I shouldn't try. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Like you should yeah. still make the best effort, even if it may end up not working out. So. Yeah. Because like I said, the lesson was there. Magor usurped nephew Aegon the Uncrowned, which was his great uncle. <laughs> that was Jerry. That was Viserys' great uncle. That wasn't that long ago. So they know what happens when there's two branches in one and they don't agree on who should be in charge. So, yeah. So he had examples of that. <laughs> Um, By the way, the way they do all these intermarriages and such, your great uncle could be 200 years ago or younger than you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. All right, let's have a quick section on like his legacy. We talk about what it it could have been had he changed the succession laws. That would have been an excellent fit for the history book. That's the kind of thing that you definitely get put in the history book for doing that, for saying, yeah, you changed how the succession laws work. That's a pretty big change to how that's, that's huge. I'll I'll say right off the bat, that's one that might've just not worked. Like that's one thing maybe he should have done, but that's kind of Otto's point. He's like, look, you can name her, but the, the lords of the realm aren't going to accept the patriarchy you might just law, yeah. but people aren't going to go along. It would have been a big change. But I'm not going to listen to you. <laughs> right. Which is part of why yeah. I think it would have been a big deal. Like if he could have successfully yeah. changed yeah. it, that would have been like, wow, you managed to get all these men to like allow this, even though they hate that it. That would have been <laughs> step one to change the law. Now he's got to find a way to get everyone on board with this change the law. law. You yeah. can't just say this and then sit back in your ivory castle and hope it works. Yeah. Like, like going back to your ivory, ivory castle. castle. Hey, yeah. they got some ivory in there probably. Yeah. Like, like, well, with, with, Aegon the Fifth, like what we said, he changed a lot of laws to make them more to pro commoner laws, and then Tywin just undid them. <laughs> so, like, yeah, there is there's laws, but like, well, people can undo laws or just not obey them mm-hmm. or cancel them when you're dead. Yeah, so hmm. and that this also so when Viserys lamented to Lionel Strong that his reign lacked challenges, I think in this episode we identified a lot of challenges. He just didn't recognize them yeah. as challenges. He didn't have the traditional enemy invading challenge like wars that he didn't have that traditional challenge he didn't have maybe he was thinking of the song of ice and fire maybe he would have been maybe i would have been the one maybe it could have been me that faced the cold and darkness but it wasn't any of those things but like you said at the beginning sean it's definitely a plus to him that he never had to call the banners in like 30 years of, or 20 some years of ruling he never called the banners like that's he gets partial credit like it's some of that's the realm yeah. built before him as the groundwork by jerry's and Alsan, and people even before that and counselors and people at every level but he definitely gets credit for keeping it that way <laughs> for holding it that way even though it looks like it's about to go pretty quickly after his death but <laughs> we'll see about that I, I did want to say earlier when you were talking about the idea of you know some of these issues he could have should have addressed i was thinking about that when he was you know uh was it with Lord Strong, with Lionel Strong, when he was like, you know, I was never really tested, you know, and Lionel Strong's like, you know, count yourself lucky, you know, I, I, you don't realize what you're wishing for <laughs> to get tested. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, one, I, I think that he probably had been tested in ways he hadn't recognized, kind of like you were saying, like he, he wanted to be tested, like in his ability to charge into battle or something like that. But I think he was failing a bunch of small tests and yeah. who he assigned to his council and, you know, what laws he passed and his diplomacy with the Lord in the North and the Bravos and the Stepstones. Like the fact that someone's going to marry someone, 
and Bravos is suddenly a threat to the realm. Like, <laughs> you should have a better relationship with that entity if that suddenly could be such an issue, right? Yeah, or like, you should have the wherewithal and be like, "Are you sure? It's just, are you not? Are you exaggerating this threat? You know, like some, yeah, like that kind of thing." Yeah, um, but you know, sometimes those things may be hard hard to see as tests when they seem like small, simple decisions. And he did tend, it seems to just take the path of least resistance, which yeah. on one hand doesn't lead to war, but on the other hand, doesn't test. Like he, he doesn't get to these moments where he has to make a tough decision, which might ostracize someone mm. or start a war or you know cause personal stress or whatever it is. He, he, now it's not like he never did these because he did name Rhaenyra queen, which is not the path, you know, which is a, a path of resistance, if you will. Um, and and stuck to it like when it was challenged he is stuck to it so i would say that i don't know if he's exactly passing that test but he's being tested and i think that he finally passes with a d (laughs) Uh, when he makes that walk up the throne room Mm. that was the time when he really evoked his strength and his resolve and made a stand you know, faced his opponents. Showed he was willing to kill for he it. Like he, he was like, hold yeah. out a knife. Yeah. Like, so it a, backed it up. Is that a D yeah. for dead, Sean? A D is for dagger? Or a D, D for, for dagger, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, he went no, from this Ares to this Ares. He was also kind of uh, tested... It didn't come. It didn't come to fruition. But when he was sent, he he, he did decide to send men to the stepstones. Like he That's was, true. he did get involved in a war, and then Damon just ended it. You they know, they never actually thing. fought. Yeah. So it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. But that was Viserys making that decision at that point to to get involved. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's something that we didn't see a lot of. I wish we saw it more. I want to believe this type of thing happened a lot. But remember that I, I think. I don't quite remember the flow of the conversation, but it was in the midst of this discussion about the stepstones and, and Rhaenyra even tried to speak up and say, Hey, why don't we just fly a dragon down there? And he kind of shut her down, but it came out in the wake of this, that he had sent diplomats. He was making an effort. He did have a plan. He wasn't just ignoring it. He might not have been doing the perfect thing, but I, I, I appreciate that in that moment, he wasn't completely ignoring it. And I got to imagine in a bunch of other scenarios where someone might have called the banners or chopped someone's head off or he would have done something similar, yeah. someone out and Send embarrassed them. He did some behind the scenes maneuvering. He, he was taking some actions. Yeah. Maybe he gets more credit than we think, you know, for, for stopping violence from breaking out. If he didn't stop certain other things, other ways, violence could break out, but maybe he stopped more traditional conflicts from happening with, with diplomacy mm-hmm. ahead of time. Maybe he was good at that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, the, End result and it, implies that, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like the offensive line I was talking about. Like <laughs> yeah, the history yeah. books aren't writing about the left guard. They're writing about how many touchdowns a quarterback threw. And so it's hard to see or know both for the historians or even like say it was known. Say they talked a lot in Fire and Blood about the minutia of his behind-the-scenes diplomacy. It's not the most exciting for a TV show, right? That, we, we're yeah. kind of we want to see these dragons and these sword fights, and it would not have been as interesting to give us, you know, episode after episode of behind the scenes negotiating that stops wars, yeah. right? That's not as exciting or fun for better or worse. And they do so give us see, a but lot. It doesn't of that, mean Vasaris wasn't doing but it. And they, they do. Give us they give us they like give I think I think Ryan Connell said they had like something like seventy or eighty or something like a massive number of pages 
just in the small council room just talking and he talked about how <laughs> much he loved those small council scenes yeah, in the original yeah. Game of Thrones and obviously a lot of people are like oh we're back to another epi- I, I think Ben Schwartz was doing his uh, Game of Thrones watch for the first time you know Jean Ralphio from Parks and Recreation he's been watching Game of Thrones and his tweets have been really funny but he had a good tweet where he like watches like some big battle episode he's like as is custom after a big battle episode we're back to people in dark rooms talking around a table you know and I, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, and I love it I love those more than the big battle episodes i i i, yeah, I appreciated like I, the clip that i shared of patty talking about the series he said you know well, what do you do do you ride dragons do you fight dragons, you fight anybody? He's like, no, no i just sit around a small council table i'm like and it's riveting it's great it i love riveting. it <laughs> yeah. in fact it's funny that he's de- he dies before the episode called the green council <laughs> <laughs> But hey, so you're, there's definitely some ca- spoilers. There's definitely some counseling in the next episode. <laughs> oh gosh, I said this episode was spoiler free, and then I went and ruined it. Okay, so wrapping things up, just a couple last points here. So I'd say Viserys. There's only five kings at the time when he died. He had been the fifth king on the Iron Throne. I put him right in the middle. He wasn't as good as Aegon or Jaehaerys. Better than Aenys or Mag. Definitely better than Magor. That's easy. Um, but uh, I think Aenys was maybe the closest to him. The one who was a little weak, a little too lenient. Wanted to be liked, but Anis was even weaker. Anis was like, when 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 there were rebellions, he'd be like, "Why is this happening? I don't get it." <laughs> and he would be very indecisive about how to respond to it, which I don't think Viserys would be. Keep Viserys maybe would respond more decisively. Uh, so, and I don't think future kings learn from this lesson of of the golden years of Viserys. I don't think, in addition to within their own time, not figuring how out that when things are good, you should look to the future doesn't really seem like a lot of targaryen rulers in the future or say robert or anyone else learned from <laughs> that example <laughs> like for example Ares's reign early on was pretty good like ned even points out like when Ares died like the realm like there were lots of the crown was coffers were full and there had there'd been peace for a while and then the Greyjoy rebellion you know there had been pretty good uh but that was ruined by similar things, by a king going mad instead of a king having an extra family. And his heir being obsessed with prophecy a bit, which in this case, Viserys was both of those things. <laughs> instead of going mad, he was losing his health, but he was a little bit obsessed with prophecy. So in that sense, there's a little bit of Rhaegar in Viserys, a little bit of a little bit of Aenys mixed with Rhaegar, a little bit of a few other kings here and there, and a little bit of them, and he, there's a little bit of him in some of them as well. You know, a, a lot of the things that Viserys and the people around him, a lot of the mistakes they made, kind of like you're saying, almost everyone could benefit from having done what they should have done, mm. which is basically maintaining better relationships with each other. <laughs> basically, yeah. just like visiting your yeah. vassals, making sure they know the power that you have and 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 the power and make sure they know that you know the power they have. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like. I need you as an ally. I appreciate the grain that you produce, the soldiers in our army. You know, there, there needs to be this continued effort to maintain these relationships so that when there's a change for some reason, it's not enough people. You have people on your side that know what you believe. You know what they believe, what they want. Everyone's needs are being met and realized and shared and especially when you have dragons and you could just fly back and forth real quick yeah, to have these the conversations travel even an issue. with the tacit threat of don't rebel against me because I have a dragon coming with it. It, it seems yeah. like such a, the, the biggest thing I think that all these characters needed to do was visit 
the people in the realm, let them know who they were and what they were about, be on good terms with them, so that it's not that this idea that Otto has that the Lords of the Realm won't accept a woman. Okay, well, go make them accept it. You know, yeah. like, go, go yeah. visit them. See how, show them it'll work. You know? Yeah, show them why yeah. they're wrong. Yeah, that was really well said, Sean, because it's it's also touches back to what I said at the beginning. So, well point, good said, all the praise, which is that Viserys' reign shows how much the personal matters. Even like the big political decisions obviously matter too, but this stuff matters stuff. The stuff that he's left out of history books for is actually really important. Like you said, you're right. Like the feudal system, like a lot of things, is based on relationships. They aren't relationships of equals a lot of times, but they're still relationships. And they're not like, and like you said, like some of these vassals are strong enough to push back violently maybe if the relationship isn't going well and if enough of them join together then it's a civil war so yeah you're right it is about maintaining or reestablishing, fixing whatever it takes to to show the proper appreciation show the proper respect show things are going back and that's yeah you're right that's the core of it and relationships are super important but saris reminds us like theoretically he's the king and if he says something everyone should do it but clearly that's not the case. And he knows it's not the yeah. case. And Otto knows it's not. Like They mm-hmm. all realize that there's a limit on this authority. And so what do they do about that? Just They just sit around and hope. <laughs> they don't, you need to go make make sure that the authority is there for the, is, is, is authorized, that the authority is authorized. For wh- whether it's through fear or friendliness or you know whatever it is, you can't just rest on your laurels, which... You might do after 50 years of peace, but you also know you're about to shake things up by naming this woman as an heir. So you've got to take a little more initiative to make sure it goes down okay. Yeah. I think that was it. Rhaenyra's could have done it on her own. Alicent, like all these characters could have taken some responsibility for making sure this went smoothly and it didn't. And, and, it's and not now we'll smoothly, see. So. <laughs> yeah. Like you, that's a great point as well, because what did Joffrey say to Tywin? He said like, they have to listen. I'm the King. And Tywin said, anyone who says has to remind people that they're the King is no true King. And he's like, Ares had felt the need to remind people he was King too. Eh? Eh? It's like, okay, <laughs> Wait, what's that one? What's that? Uh, the thing like, the worst person in the world just made a great point. Oh, yeah, like that. yeah. The first someone you hate just made yeah. a great point. Yeah, Tywin. Yeah. Okay, Tywin. That's a great point. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> Tywin reminds us that it is about relationships. Yeah, <laughs> like okay, all right, Tywin's right. Stop clock. You know that whole thing. <laughs> and you make it think like, what would? Okay, so what? This is my last question. Make it think about this. Like, if power wasn't in the balance, that last scene with his family, they wouldn't have been. That wouldn't have been hanging over them. This 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 Iron Throne hanging over their head. When he says the Iron Throne is the most dangerous seat in the world, that's probably what he's talking about. Things like that, how it destroys relationships, destroys people, or does both simultaneously. It destroys relationships because it destroys people, or destroys people, which in turn destroys relationships. Chicken and the egg, chicken and the dragon egg, uh, which is an eventually going to result in ruin or violence or civil war. And so it's a very prophetic thing to say oddly enough discussing prophecy but this is not prophetic this is just like common sense like if you do this enough people will fight <laughs> so yeah going back to his family that makes me a little like yeah this this part of what he's having in his final moments he's thinking to himself man if, if we weren't the royal family we could just be having this dinner you know and we wouldn't have this thing hanging over our heads this Chekhov's Iron Throne <laughs> over our, you know, like we could just hang out. It wouldn't be the Game of Thrones. You win or you die. It wouldn't be that situation. We could just have a family dinner and maybe there would be quibbles. All families have their problems, but it wouldn't be like we're all about to kill each other type problems. 
Wait, what would he be? Would he have been a maester? Would he have been, if he hadn't been king? Would he have been, like, he would have spent more time with his models? That's my question. What would Viserys have been? If like, he if he was king? still a Targaryen, but just didn't become, yeah, if he, like had he been, was still in his royal bloodline? Yeah, yeah. If, he had been, if he had stayed far down in the line of succession. Mm, you know, would have worked like, with like, stonemasons. He would have been an artist, I think. No, no, I don't know. He, he actually, well, he, he said that he wasn't the one actually making a thing. He was designing it. He would have just, you know, been an architect, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, he made, yeah. He, some some sort of creative, like... He might have founded creative. a school of art. Yeah, yeah, he might. I, that's what I think is it. Yeah, her history, probably more like more so that, is that he's, he's doing that, not the artistic part of it, but the... The 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 research to make it so that they could build the model. In other words, yeah, so history. But uh, mm. oh, maybe he would have. Maybe he would have joined the Citadel. Yeah, maybe in another world he yeah, might have just been a yeah, scholar. I said Maester. That's certainly he possible, loved the yeah. histories. Yeah, he may not have been quite smart enough for it. Ah, but maybe the know, shade. Yeah. I mean, that was that was the problem for like what was his name, Andrew Andrew Farman. They were like, oh, he oh could yeah, do it. like no, he's just not smart enough. Yeah, I mean, like Viserys could can can speak can read and speak multiple languages, so I think he has to yeah, have a certain level of like he can't. I don't know. He might not have like forged a lot of links, but yeah, he's yeah. probably competent enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah someone's a city planner. Yeah, I like that. Oh, and and they needed some of that with with no yeah. one paying attention to that, you know, like except in Barth, like. Make sure the city has fresh water, and Alison is the one who made that happen, and Septon Barth implemented it. Like they needed that sort of, yeah, <laughs> initiative. <laughs> More of that stuff. Yeah. Dean Brown says, "I saw an interview where Patty said as soon as he wed Emma, he gave up going to the Street of Silk and such things." Oh, Patty wed Emma, not Viserys. Yeah. This, this is scandalous. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, that that makes it's sense. Like yeah. it's very in character with him. You know, he's found the love of his life. He doesn't need to hmm. go do that anymore. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Any final thoughts? I think I'll just start putting memes on the screen, and we will make sure we get a cat from Sean by the end of this, because I promised people for what it's worth. Oh, she promised a cat. Are we close enough to you, and I should go now? Yeah, go ahead. I'll yeah, start. I'm going to put memes. Just tell me what, say something to me, Sean, when you actually have the cat, because you're not going to be on screen. Okay, I'll switch okay. back to you. But I'm going to start with some funny memes, including the, my favorite that I made this season, which was uh, Ben Wyatt and Viserys. Do you think a depressed person could make this? <laughs> uh, and that is exactly when Emma comes into the room or when Allison comes into the yeah. room to be like, hey, he's like, hello, yeah. Lady Allison. <laughs> so thank you Michael Klarfeld for your wonderful work on our video and maps. Thank you Bran Winslow for our intro music and our intro uh progress whatever you want to call it it's so cool just our intro yeah thank you thanks you ah, thanks you to all of you who are patrons and subscribers via spotify or if you send a donation through our website there's lots of ways to support we appreciate whichever of those you take or if you just tell your friends we appreciate that as well make sure to join us on saturday for our next spoiler stream for house of the dragon coverage and I want to shout out some patrons while the memes continue. Don't marry your daughter's best friend or draw 25. Mm. <laughs> he should have drawn 25. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, he just did not want to draw all those cards. Would have been better for the realm if he had just drawn a bunch of cards. Alas. Thank you to High Lord Jacob Hayes, the Doom Opal, Captain of the Shimmering Tide, Relentless as the Seas, and Hand of the King. Lord Giuliano of House U is Hand of Queen Ashea, known as the Omni Knight. Lord Jim the Fortuitous is of Wars and Politics of Ice and Fire blog, and he's Warden of the West. Lord George Stormsville the Cunning is Lord of Chiliad and Warden of the East. Cabeth the Unfrozen is Lord of the Bricks and Castle Crimson Light, Defender of the Old Gods and Warden of the North. 
Lady Kelly McMath of Covington is Lady of the Villa Hills and Crescent Springs and Warden of the South. It's funny because these, I'm distracted from reading these because I want to see the memes. (laughs) (laughs) But I I can't. I kind of can, but I'm like looking over here. Uh, Jenny the Just, captain of the ghost ship Liberty, which vanished in the Shivering Sea over a century ago, has been recently sighted near Volantis, if tales can can be believed. King Beyond the Wall, Sidney Jesse, is the Fallborn, Lord of Blue Spring, and the Haunted Forest, wields a dagger of dragonglass and the Valyrian steel blade Red Frost. True story, King Beyond the Wall, Sidney Jesse, lent his dragonglass dagger to Rhaenyra and and Damon for their marriage, but they gave it back to him, covered in blood from their lips. It was very rude for them not to wash it off first. Hey, real quick. Oh. I've got a cat here. Oh. I don't know how long it'll there last. Go. Oh, oh look at that kitty. kitty. Oh, a, look, oh, oh yawning yawn. cat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the arm stretch. That's a good, good thing. That is a good thing. That is a relaxed yeah. cat. So far, so good. Sea <laughs> Lord Sean Gallagher is the oh. Titan's binger, owner of nine Valyrian steel ears. Uh, White Walker patrons include Araya Flint of the Mountain Flints, captured by the Weeper, only to be raised in the Valley of the Milkwater, Blue Eyes, and Golden Memories. Alexander Greyblood says, First of the first men, now crowned in ice, called Silence Bringer, Woodblinder, and the Snow of Night, wielder of the ice, forged greatsword, Pale Frost. Our small council includes Lord Taylor of House Lineberry, Strength of Stone, Will of Iron, Master of Coin, Lord Chris B of House Baelish, Always Keep Your Foes Confused, Master of Whispers, Drowned Dan, Lord of House Windsor, Master of Karate, Friendship for Everyone, and Ships. Lord Goodkill McGee is ruler over Castle Yonder. Or is ruler of Castle Over Yonder, rather. And Grand Maester Scotty rounds it out. Lords and ladies in their castles include Lady Dyerless of Castle Naki, the Alpha Patron. The memes are returning now. Lord Dan of Red Mountains and Castle Great Bell is Breaker of the Second Stone. Gregor the Toasty is Lord of the Breadfort. Ashland Winter is the Hawk's Eye Lady of Castle Skyfall. The Lord of the Halls of Castle Hillcrest is wielder of the Valyrian Steel Machete Everglazed. Lord Bemmy Snuggle Bunny is guardian ranger of the hidden hundred acre werewood dual wielder of Valyrian Short Sword Glorious Morning and Little Light Wise. Sharp shooter of the werewood and ironwood laminated longbow Todd Von Oben. When you fear things cannot get worse, Snuggle Bunny enters the fray. The Bastard of the Wolfswood is first forester of the old gods, sworn to house ironwood werewood. Listen for the silence. Casey Stark is of house acres. Peter Rivers is the Pale Dragon and heir to Bloodraven. Lady Mara of House Stark is Archmistress of Apothecaries and Woods Witch. Her castle features werewood doors with painted moons. Lena Snow is the Twilight Star, bastard daughter of Dane, wife of the Trickster, and Lady of Castle Rivia. Jason Stark is Second Son of the North, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Sword Bloodbath, Lord of Castle Whitewood. The chill is real. Suckass Gamer is Master of Soap and Clay. Aminda Pinkwolf is Lady and Ruler of Castle Whitefast, the Ice Emboldens. Lady Adeline of Sea Dragon Point is Keeper of Trees, Warmth and Frost. Lord Benjamin is of House Hornwood. Uh, our first, or rather, King's Justice is Sir Troy, the Steady, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Blade, Fate. Normally, Ashea reads her Queen's High Council, but she's busy memeing, so I will read Rabea Star Eyes, Lady of Waves and Mistress of Ships, Captain of the Iron Shadow Cat. In the shadows, we bear our claws. Have we moved past memes into cool? Yeah, like, I just thought I'd just show some cool Viserys stuff that I had. Oh, yeah, uh, exactly. The yeah, this the cane and, and his, his clothes, yeah. and this the concept art for his degradation and all that. <laughs> Amusing to me because he looks really funny in the young <laughs> version. I'm like. Boy, that is really fading, isn't it? Uh, Grand Archmaster Rennie, whose rod and ring and mask are quartz crystals, wielder of the Valyrian steel pen, fire and ink. The purple lord Leo Anansi is master of whispers. 
Lady Wolfbird, Mistress of the Eastern Rivers, is Gatekeeper of the Northern Skies, Daughter of the Silver Sea, and Master of Coin. Lady Carlin Carey of Castle Stonesharp, whose horse is shod in Valyrian steel, is Prime Rider of the Rising Hills. And last but not least, our Kingsguard and Queensguard, Lord Commander Namian of House Darklin, the Night Slayer, Valyrian Sword, Onyx Abyss, Sir Dean the White, Knight of the Black Star, Gregor Snow called Snowbear, a Bastard of Winterfell, Vaughn of House Furster, Sigil is a mailed fist with extended forefinger and pinky on the light blue field. Visenya let us hold Dark Sister once. Sir Bateman, the Dark Knight. Sir Roland de Stark, Gunslinger Knight of the Winter Kings, back from a 20-year ranging to the lands of Always Winter to protect my King Aziz. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. And Queensguard, Lord Commander, Lord Captain Commander, Hama Helminth, the Sellsword Sentinel. James the Green, Lord of the Meadows, Keeper of the Trial of Grasses. Amber the Adamant. The Knight of the Mist and Mother of Squids. The Wintry Wolverine, we finish what you begin. Nora Neko. Archmaester Vena, whose ring, rod, and mask are made of steel, not pudding. Laura Boros, Lady of Infinity. Uh, Lord Commander George the Golden lords, leads the Beard Guard, backed by Lady Rita of the Copper Mane, the Unbound, Dance the Fervor. Sir Jeff, Warden of the AC, is wielder of Triad, the multifaceted beard of platinum, red, and brown. Stay, Frosty. And Bloody Ben Blackwood. Finally, our... Leaders of the Night's Watch, that includes Sir Richard, the Li- Lord Commander Richard, the Ligerheart, wielder of Barry's Ankle Breaker, a flail with blue and silver, Valyrian Steel Spikes, motto, go blue. First Builder, Magor Snow, a.k.a. Magor the Cool, the Fire in the Snow. First Ranger, Liam, a.k.a. Sir, waiting on a nickname. And First Steward, Zack of House Wild, Lord Shredder of the Spiral, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Axe, Grail. That's it. Everyone, if you want to get a cool nickname like that, jump on Patreon.com, go to History of Westeros, and pick the level that's right for you. You also get things like access to scripts and notes and episodes early, fun stuff like that. We'll see you all on... Oh. Don't be afraid to... Oh, and... Oh, Sean, you, you appeared on Daily DVR to talk about House of the Dragon, too. I don't think we shouted that out. Uh, yeah, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Yes, again. Well, I've kind of said it. <laughs> no. Nice. Hell yeah. Oh yeah! Right on. Whoops! Right I on. had you muted for that. I'm so sorry, Sean. I, it oh, was yeah. my bad. My my bad. You were muted. I don't know if some people could maybe hear you, but uh, a little, a tiny bit. But the point was, uh, we said that you were on Daily DVR podcast with uh, Axel, and uh, I, yeah, the, I kind of said the important part that they at least still got that. <laughs> yeah, they didn't so hear. Check what out you Sean said. on Daily DVR. I've done. Uh, I did a whole season of coverage of Better Call Saul with the uh, Axel of Daily DVR. Um, not this past season, but the season before that, um, we covered it together. And so I can say firsthand that he's a great person to chat mm-hmm. with. So I'm sure Sean and Axel talking about House of the Dragon is really interesting. You might say they're yeah. friends of the show. Our shows are <laughs> friends of each other. Yes. Okay, everyone. We'll see you next time. You know what to do. Valar reread us and Valar rewatch us.